0: to The Screamcast, episode 94. I am Sean Drager, and with me is Brad Henderson.
1: Yo, what's up, Sean? How are you?
0: Good. And driving extremely safely in her car while she's on Skype is BJ Colangelo.
2: Hey, hey. In my defense, <laughs> I'm using it like the telephone Skype. I'm not like video right. Skyping while I'm driving. Yeah. That's just crazy. That would be
1: insane.
0: That would be ridiculous. That'd be insane. And I'm Braz, only
2: breaking one law here. It's and, fine. And
0: Brad's turning into a, a robot. Well, your hand, your hands free, right? Technically, yes. Holy, oh, like turning into a robot. I
2: mean, I mean, hands free, one hand with it against my yeah. ear. Who's to say? Who's to say?
0: I don't know. I don't Who know. Who the
2: fuck is a robot?
0: You started like doing the whole uh, dial-up sound, like sky, you're the Matrix. Sky netting out. Yeah. What about now? Sound good. You now you're sound, perfect. Sound amazing. Uh, today Thank we you. will. Uh, Brad Thank and I you. had the opportunity to talk to Cynthia Sorrell, uh, writer of Black Roses. So we'll be getting to that interview in just a little bit. We are also Thank talking um, Strange Land and Terror on Tour. But before Heal we get yeah. to all that madness, Captain Howdy. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> let's find out what's on our doorstep.
3: Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door.
1: (laughs) All right. Captain Howie's on my doorstep.
2: All right. I only had two things this week because I'm in tech right now for a musical. (laughs) Go figure. Um, (laughs) Which is why I keep falling off the planet for all of you guys and also why I haven't seen a lot of things. Um so I'll start with the one what, movie. What
1: do you have there, BJ? What do you have?
2: I have two things. One of them's a rewatch. So I rewatched uh, Cabin in the Woods for my friend's birthday. I haven't watched it in probably about a year and I love I love that Chris Hemsworth's Australian accent comes through a lot more in that movie than probably anything else that he's done, which makes sense because it's a pretty early film in his career. It's like right when he started exploding. Um, but God damn, that movie's smart. And every time I watch it, the jokes still land, even though I've heard them all before. The monsters still make me happy every time I see them, because it just makes me, it, it hits all the right buttons. It hits all the nostalgia poles, but then it's also got a lot of interesting and new ideas. But the one complaint that I still have that I didn't even think was going to be a complaint until I watched the special features on the on the Blu-ray, which, if you haven't, I highly recommend doing it. My one complaint about Cabin in the Woods is the fact that they use Sigourney Weaver as the director. It bothers me. It bothers me so badly because everybody sees them, and they're like, oh, it's Ripley. That's a great idea. Ripley is not... Like, they're trying to pay homage to the you know the cabin in the woods subgenre, which would then lead you with a final girl type thing Ripley is not a final girl Ripley is a hero and there's a difference yes and they had a final girl on set because Heather Langenkamp worked on the special effects team why the fuck did they not just use her I'm sure she (laughs) would have been cheaper anyway she's already there (laughs) Uh, and it I don't know why it makes me so mad, but like Sigourney comes out and I'm like, yeah, I know this is great. I see the shot where she steps into frame and I remember seeing it in the theaters and I got to see it in like a like a critics press screening and everyone collectively like lost their shit all at the same time. But after watching the special features, I'm like, man, Nancy Thompson would have been way fucking cooler. That just
1: See, I never even thought about the whole Ripley thing.
2: That's the only just, thing like, that I could ever think of was and the reason that it stuck into my head that way is uh. because when I saw it at like the preview screening or whatever, there was some mouth breather blogger kid who <laughs> I don't even know how he got a press pass sitting next to me. And when she came out, what <gasps> under his breath, <laughs> like a fucking serial killer. And I just remember looking at this kid and being like, oh, that's why they used her. That makes sense. OK, I get it now. Oh, that yeah. Okay, I got it. But then I went. I didn't even
1: ever put. I never put that together.
2: Yeah, which is like a really cool thing because she really is kind of the ultimate American female hero of you know the horror genre. But she's not a final girl. If you're going to do a cabin in the woods movie, use a goddamn final girl, and you had one. It's not like I understand. Like you're not going to be able to get Jamie Lee Curtis because at that point in her career, she was not really doing anything horror related. But when you have Heather Langenkamp working on your damn movie, come on! That's just me. Um, So I watched that. (laughs) Um, And and the other one I watched was a new one that I hadn't seen. And, uh, oh boy. uh, (laughs) Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. Mm. Guys, this is a... If there was a way to end a franchise, ghost dust. That's the way to end a franchise. Like, we started out this crazy successful thing. How are we going to end it? I got it. CGI dust that turns into CGI tar, yeah. and really unorganized, terribly arranged houses.
0: Wasn't stupid this one...
2: mustached men and blinking ass Christmas trees. <laughs> oh God! Wasn't God, this one so in?
0: Stupid. It was in three D as well, wasn't it?
2: Yes. which makes and no I sense in
0: a found you know, this type of so knowledge.
2: so very glad that I did not watch <laughs> it in 3D.
0: Ghost Dimension that in
1: the three. Well, it doesn't dimension. make sense, but it, it, it would utilize it a little bit. It's because yes, of absolutely. how they actually set up the camera. Because I, for some god unknown fucking reason. They have this high-tech VHS camera.
2: It makes it it's <laughs> like, so stupid. Like you look at it from the outside and you're like, "Oh, I get it. That's like an old-school VHS camera." But all the lenses on it are definitely made in like 2015. And then you open was, it up and it looks like yeah. a fucking flux capacitor inside of it. <laughs> You're expecting, I was you to expecting believe.
1: Bill Nye to show up and be like, <laughs> right? hey guys, this is how we make a camera.
2: <laughs> right? Like, you look <laughs> at it, and, and I'm just like, there's no way that this thing shoots on video. Absolutely not. No way in hell. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, it's a and movie it, that I would probably rewatch if I was about mm, 12 deep. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Like, when you can't remember your name and you're hitting on people that might be related to you. That's a good time to watch paranormal activity ghost dimension because it's the only time it's going to be entertaining because that movie is a hot ass mess.
1: <laughs> it's it's crazy the route that they went with it because the other 5 are just so fucking normal. Like there's that yeah. time there's that time travel thing that there's, they introduced. And like that's
2: kind of cool. Like and
1: that's the thing that's kind of cool. Right.
2: And I was like, "Oh, I get it. It ties it. Yeah, it ties it all together. Okay, I get that." But the CGI ghost dust. And when I say ghost dust, I mean ghost dust. Like when you look up and the sunlight is coming through your window and there's little microfibers floating in the air, it's ghost dust. (laughs) And it's so stupid that it is mind-numbing. And what kills me is that I know that these poor actors got this script and went, oh my god, I'm going to be in a paranormal activity movie. I'm going to make so much bank. My career is going to be set and this is what they got to be a part of, and I apologize to all of them, because mm-hmm. that movie is a nightmare. It is real rough, and I try not to yeah. trash things. I really do, but, oh shit, it is bad, and I really hope that the makers, the creative team, whoever has the control of it at this point goes, you know what, guys? We made about $60 million on that. These movies cost us $12 to make. <laughs> Oh, let's make another one that doesn't have CGI ghost dust. That isn't in 3D. Maybe bring it back to the basics so we can end on at least a mediocre note instead of that crazy ass brown note piece of shit that is the Ghost Dimension. I think they should have ended on
1: three because I think if they would have ended if they would have ended on three, it would because I still consider people call me crazy, but I consider three one of the best horror films. In the past, like like ghost story wise, like I still think that's one of the most terrifying. It's got
2: some really portions. powerful imagery. Three really yeah. hits a lot. It hits and it's hard.
1: Super fucking creepy. It's got a great fucking ending. Like I think that movie is top notch all the way. And I think because I don't really don't think the franchise is that strong. And I honestly, after I watched the second one, I was like, I'm kind of done. Because I kind of know where this is going, I really don't mm-hmm. care. So when the third one came out, I pushed it off for the longest time. One night, didn't have anything to do, rented it on Amazon, and I'm like, all right, I'm sleeping with lights on tonight because I'm really fucking freaked out right now.
2: <laughs> yep. And then that they
1: seriously creeps me out, but then they fucking ruined it with they, four.
2: They jumped shark, man.
0: Which one uh. was four? Was that the marked ones?
1: No, no, that was, was, uh, was, was four.
0: How many is there? Yeah, How four picks up things. Six. Oh, God, Jesus. Okay. Six
1: of them. Four, four, picks, four, yeah. four picks up after two.
0: Okay. Yeah. I stopped at three. Three was so good that I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I and I didn't. Uh, then I heard you know middling things about four, and then whatever the rest so I never. See,
2: five, I didn't actually hate. Five, I actually kind yeah.
1: Of five, five was five was okay, and the ending of five is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, but f- four
2: man. Oof. But six. Oh man. Mm. Six is, like, I don't believe in making worst-of-the-year lists, but if I did, <laughs> that bad boy would come home the prom queen all day. Yeah,
1: it's definitely not good.
2: So. Yeah, it's terrible. Nice. Other than that, I watched a lot of wrestling. That's my doorstep. You You're go. welcome.
0: All right, the first thing I want to talk I didn't get to watch a whole lot either, but um, I watched a couple of things. The first one that I watched was Hitman Agent 47.
4: God,
0: dude, <laughs> I'm a, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of the video game. This is is this goes back a while. I like you <sighs> really love the game, and like the game is so I'm simple. Go to sleep. And it could be such, <laughs> it could be it's a great little premise, but they haven't really nailed the uh, movie version of this character. The last time, oh, because
1: video games, the movies always <laughs> fucking work out.
3: Has there ever
0: been they one that do. didn't
3: suck ass?
0: i uh, pff- Gosh, I don't. I really I don't think so.
2: Maybe the first two Resident Evil movies, maybe yeah, part maybe. of Silent Hill.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah parts I'm of Silent like Hill. Resident Evil's not that bad. Yeah, Resident Evil's not that bad. But um, but I mean, I think pretty much everything else kind of blows.
0: No, yeah. I mean, the, first the original one, Hitman fucking sucks dick, man. The game, I, I replayed the game, and it's slow, it's like, it's clunky as hell, but the as they get along... No, the, no, no, no I'm saying
1: fun. the fucking movie. Oh, the, oh, the movie's horrible, the first t-
0: one's horrible, the first one is... It's t-
1: real bad. Timmy it's real bad. On,
0: ...playing this <laughs> Hitman. Um, you know, it's, that Olga chick's in there, and she gets naked, but that's pretty much, pretty much the only thing worth anything with that film. Um... But this one, this one's like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it got a theatrical release. Cause this feels like a direct to video flick. Um, it, the, the lead actor they got was, he's from a TV show. I don't know who the hell he is. Um,
2: I can't help you. Well, um,
0: <laughs> Rupert friend. Oh, wait, yeah. And apparently he's really good in whatever TV show he's in.
1: That's right, they did make a sequel to this movie.
0: Yeah, he oh he's in home the, the lead character is in homeland. He plays he he plays uh the hitman here. Zachary Quinto's in it, so I was like, oh, it can't be that bad with Zachary Quinto. Quinto, Quinto, whatever. But uh but it the no, problem the problem probably. is it's written by Skip Woods. He Enlighten no me. Who he's who, responsible for he Swordfish. I believe he's responsible for X-Men Origins Wolverine, Sabotage, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, and The A-Team. And A Good Day to Die Hard. So he's not the strongest screenwriter.
2: He knows how to blow shit up.
0: <laughs> the only thing saving this movie is there are some pretty inventive action fl- action sequences in, in it. It's an R-rated flick, so it doesn't shy away from the fucking CGI blood. So... But at least there's violence there, uh, and a guy gets thrown into a gigantic meat grinder. But the only thing that takes it away from that is they put the Wilhelm scream right there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> of course they did.
0: <laughs> so for what it was, what it's worth, I had fun watching it, but I would not recommend it.
1: Dude, this movie made almost a hundred million dollars at the box office.
0: Did it? That's no. It,
2: are you ridiculous. serious? Please tell me that it cost a hundred million to make those. So then
1: they made zero dollars. It looks like, they, no, it, looks it, like it, co- it cost it, them thirty five. Okay. No,
2: because that means we're gonna get more because they made money.
0: I, I watched the special features to it, and they were so. I mean, this was on sale for like eight or ten bucks. I just swooped it up one yeah, day.
1: Yeah, it's the fucking Pompe- Pompeii.
0: It's the pom- Pompeii. yeah. This is the Pompeii deal. Oh, um, gross! <laughs> but they're so proud of like sticking to the hitman roots and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you guys, you have, the whole story is this hitman goes in, sneaks in and and kills people. You can do one scenario with that. You're following a guy on a hit and it could be a really fun movie. But they put in all like the Zachary Quinto's character has, (laughs) I wrote it down. He is bulletproof because they did some experiments on him and he has basically metal under his skin.
2: So I bet he walks super normal, right?
0: Wa- oh yeah, it's called subdermal body armor.
2: <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've this
1: ever heard
4: so
0: in my entire
1: life.
0: It's so dumb. All right. Well to yes. make
1: you feel make you feel better, the domestic uh revenue for this film was only twenty two million.
0: Oh thank it God. Made,
1: yeah. It made sixty million overseas. Of course.
2: Of course it did. Yeah.
1: So roughly about eighty or you know, eighty two million dollars it made. Yep. But dude, 50 60 million dollars overseas. Like who the, who fucking directed this?
0: Uh, anybody? Somebody. I don't think anybody don't worth note. Alexander Bach.
1: Alexander Bach.
0: This was his first is, movie.
2: Well, there we go. <laughs> he's uh, uh
0: he's let's move on. he's well known Maybe for I'm making advertisements. For <clears throat> car commercials mm. probably all right moving along it's not good people i had i I had fun watching it because i like i have fun with bad movies but it is not good moving along something that i was not really wanting to to watch or kind of you know not really in the mood for because i heard bad reviews uh was the strain tv show
2: oh okay Like, did you just start it, or you have
0: two? I just started. I found. I mean, they were. I got the Blu-ray set for like ten or fifteen bucks. So I was like, all right, that's the price for me to jump in. And um, of course, Guillermo del Toro and uh, Chuck. What's his name? The hell is it? Chuck Hogan. They wrote the books, and I guess there's like three books now. And I'm hearing that there's like diminishing returns on the books, but. So far, season one, I'm through episode four, I fucking love this thing. Like, there's, you know, there's some bad CGI, TV CGI here and there, but, like, I love the, you know, I love Guillermo del Toro's interpretation of vampires. This is basically, like, the same idea with um, uh, Blade 3, or, no, not Blade 3, dear God, Blade 2. (laughs) <laughs> the vampires there, where they they're like they don't just have teeth. They they're actually they go through a biological biological change, and they're more like parasites. And their mouths open up, and they actually go through these weird <laughs> physiological physiological changes. So I mean, I love that aspect in the strain that they carry on with that idea of vampires and and the the virus aspect to it. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's gruesome. They don't shy away from the gore, which is great. And, uh, I don't know, I think it's really good. So we'll see The the show's
2: definitely a mixed bag. I don't hate it. I actually think that it's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, I don't think that it's a show that a lot of audiences are really going to understand. And I think that that's why it, I don't know, it's because it's definitely not failing by any means, but I don't think that it has quite the following of something like The Walking Dead or whatever. But then again,
0: The Walking Dead is god awful from like half of season one and on in my opinion, and it's like people are going bad shit for it. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I don't really get it uh,
0: either. So, Brad, what are your thoughts on The Strain? Have you watched it at all?
1: Oh, I have not watched a single solitary second of that show. Mm, okay. I don't really watch television all that yeah,
0: much. I'm yeah, very, I'm very choosy when it comes to television, just because I feel like they'll strain. i
1: it was great.
0: Yeah, like normally, like I, I'll get invested with a show, and then they'll string it along. I'll go, I'll be with it for years, and then it has some bullshit ending, like Lost or something like that. And then it's like all those years just wasted for an unsatisfying I ending. I would, I, I like shows like Sherlock, like the BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. I like it. I like wow, just because I like saying his name. But say it um, again, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's all you have to I say. His like name. it. You have to say it with enthusiasm. I, I will
1: never say it like that. I'll let you just handle that.
0: <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, but I like it when there's, because the the Sherlock series, there's a definite, each show is an hour and a half and it's a case. And you're, and you're then you're one and done, but things get carried over through the season, but there's not one gigantic, you know, story. I'm a little bit worried about Game of Thrones. And then it looks like, I thought the new X files show, they were going to keep that, do some sort of. Uh, continuity through the season after the first episode, but no. Now they're in. I, I don't know. So, TV is a bit frustrating. So, but so far, the strain, the first four episodes have been really good. So, we'll see where it goes. I'm hearing not to, you know, get my hopes up, but we'll go from there.
4: Hmm.
0: And it got a little bit quiet. Good BJ you know. did have to step away from us for a second, but that's okay. She'll be back. Brad, what's on your doorstep?
1: Um, Mine is a little lengthy, but I'll, I'll try to be quick. Uh, first up is the Isaac Florentine and Scott Atkins Jam, Close Range. Um, one of the better uh, direct-to-video um, action movies I've seen in the past, I don't know, few years. Most of this stuff is kind of garbage that comes out. Yeah. No offense to any of the filmmakers, but um, (laughs) they lack a lot. Um, The one thing that lacks in close range is a story and a script. However, it's uh, made up greatly uh, for the action and choreography that is throughout the film Um, and the actual blood and special effects.
0: Actual squids That look
1: fucking... Yeah. That look fucking great.
0: There you go.
1: Um, so that's the one thing Atkins is, is a, a, a true badass. He, he's a great action star. Um, if this was something that would have came out, if this pair was together in the eighties, they would have fucking rocked oh, yeah. the the box offices and they would have been the all cult classic movies. Uh, so I do give it, give it that cause it's kind of in vain of kind of the eighties action flicks. Um, But definitely uh, one of the better, uh, you know, direct-to-video action movies of today. So I I, I would definitely pick it up if it's – yeah, I would definitely watch it. It's a very, very fun movie. Like I said, the action is great. Scott Atkins is – man, his fucking hand-to-hand combat in this movie just is really fucking good.
0: He's so good, man. He needs to be in like – he needs to be a leading man in like an action flick. But if he does that, he's just going to get thrown into some bullshit thing. He was in the Hercules movie one of them not the yeah, rock he, one yeah he's
1: been he's been in yeah he's been in a couple things here or there where he's has a bigger role he was in the i think expendables and you know he he pops up every yeah. once in a while um but uh, so good, i man. i really think yeah I, I i think maybe with his undisputed four movie he'll get some more notoriety but we'll see i hope so um next up is the remake of martyrs um i don't understand I, i'm not against remakes i'm not an anti-remake person i whenever a remake's announced or a reboot i'm like okay let's see what
0: happens it well, has to be that kind of a reason long, for it you know
1: i don't know if there needs to be really a reason like a creative for it i just reason. i just well i mean i want to see something a little bit different mm-hmm. it maybe add something that the original film couldn't do right maybe it didn't go there uh maybe go a different route but stay true to the source material mm-hmm. um they just this movie is just less brutal less scary and tries to explain the reasoning behind everything
4: hmm.
1: a little bit more than the other film which like then, why, like, this is one of those things where you shrug and you're like, why Why did you remake this film if you're not going to add anything? All they did is take away, which is really, really frustrating because uh, the original Marvels to me is absolutely terrifying. It's a perfect with horror the, film. With, the, with the, the girl's visions of that other girl that is attacking her, S- some of that is some of the scariest imagery yeah. and uh, scenes that I've seen in a while. They don't utilize that at all. They have it in this movie, but they don't really, you know, really go into detail or try to scare you with it. Uh, the brutality is turned tuned way down. You only have a couple moments where it's like, Oh, but that was in the original film. It's, uh, you know, not all that bad. Um, but I mean, it, it's pretty much the same exact movie. Um, just like almost a PG 13 version of it. Mm. So I, it was very disappointing. I was hoping that they would enlighten some – do some uh, – a different – maybe tackle a different storyline, maybe make the friends maybe closer. But they just followed it straight by the book but just toned everything down, which I didn't understand why they would do that. Um, next up, I'll be very brief because I don't like to like cover movies that we've already talked about. Sean, you spoke about this one. But I just want to give my two cents. Mm-hmm. Watch The Gift. Oh, it is man. one of the best movies I've seen. This movie made me sweaty and nervous <laughs> and so upset and so happy at the same time. Emotions really run high in this movie, so give it a shot.
0: Your tweet, your tweet uh, about it was the best when you said you're just, you can't stop sweating.
2: <laughs> what do you think about yeah. the ending? That's my question. Also, surprise and the heck. heck?
0: hey BJ's surprise
1: back. you're back um no i i mean i i truly love the ending it's one of the most upsetting and satisfying endings i've ever seen Yeah, like i'm so i was so fucking angry but at the same time like i felt okay <laughs> but like i was still really pissed off i was like why you motherfucker and then i was like wait i kind of get it
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so yeah, it's it's truly upsetting because it gives you that mixed emotions. I mean, it is truly fucked up. But it's one of those things where it's like I don't know, like sometimes when sometimes when you have films with likable villains, sometimes you can justify their actions. And yeah. that's really fucked up, but I I tend to like that sometimes. Like one of my all my one of my all-time favorite villains is Caesar from Sleep Tight. That, that, motherfucker, that motherfucker is a piece of shit. But oh my god, how likable is that motherfucker? <laughs> so, all right, so moving along. Uh, next up, I, I gave this a second a second time because I, I liked it the first time I saw it. I saw it a while ago, and I really, really wanted to rewatch it because I did have fun with it. Um, and I still recommend it at... Uh, you could probably find it on Voodoo. you've probably seen it at Best Buy but Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse the movie was originally titled Scouts vs. Zombies mm-hmm. um, when I saw it but um, you know it is it wants to be like Zombieland it wants to be that Jesse Eisenberg comedy um, it achieves certain things it's really funny at times it's got a good cast um, it's it get, it 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 loses its ground a tiny bit throughout the film but for the most part it is a very very fun uh, zombie flick with immature kids fucking killing zombies it has the montage sequences it has the the gore it has the boobies it has the older girl that the you know younger kids get you know boners for so um <laughs> De- definitely something to watch. I think everybody have a good uh, would have a good time. And another film that kind of goes hand in hand, and they were made around the same time, um, is another, another film I'm going to talk about is Freaks of Nature. But that movie didn't really get much play. It got a, a trailer, and then I remember hearing it that it was at the box office, hmm. but then it just kind of disappeared. Um, it's it's that same it has a same tone to it, kind of that purple, yellow, shiny fucking bullshit. It's, it, even the cover, the cover, the covers of these movies define yeah. exactly what they are. Yeah. But Freaks of Nature is about humans, uh, zombies, and vampires all living as one. And, and it's not really said exactly why it's happening, but um, zombies are kind of... It, in a way, it's kind of classes are justified. I wish that it went that route because they kind of go there a little bit, that, you know, the bottom of the barrel class is the zombies and then kind of the humans are the middle class and then the vampires are the higher class. I wish that it did more, kind of got a little political, but it wanted to go strictly the comedy route, which I enjoy too. Um, Aliens show up Um, Some shit goes down, but it's truly a very, very funny movie. I think the comedy kind of falls off maybe about an hour after it, Uh, about an hour into the movie, the comedy kind of drops off, um, but picks slowly back up, but definitely a a very fun uh, horror comedy. Both of these, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, have some friends over, have a few brewskis. I think everybody would have a good time. Um, yeah, I was curious next about up was a, Nature*. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. I would definitely—you're not going to be disappointed. Cool. I, I could I could tell you that. Uh, um, well, I mean, it depends on how high your standards are, but anyways.
0: Uh, uh, I, I watched next, *Hitman* *Agent 47* on purpose, so my standards it, aren't too you'll high. It, apparently. <laughs> um,
1: next up is a, a is a rewatch for me. I originally liked this movie when I first saw it, but. I watched it again. I wasn't that much of a fan, which that doesn't normally happen to me because the turnaround time was only a few months. But I gave Howl another, another mm. shot where it's um, werewolves on a train. Um, I wasn't that big of a fan of it. it. It felt a little too slow, and I think that I noticed the CGI werewolves a little too much this time around, and it kind of ruined it for me. Um, but definitely worth ten bucks on Blu-ray. That's it's, it looks like that's the price of it. Alchemy is releasing this. Uh, Alchemy will be probably one of these magnet companies that are coming out because they're releasing some really good shit. They just recently uh, um, released Hangman, which I tweeted about. I as another film that I highly suggest. I saw it at South by Southwest. That is a creepy fucking found footage movie and. It, I feel that it tries to be new, but plays it safe, but wants to be overly fucking creepy. And I think that's I think the movie achieves that. So uh, thumbs down on how, thumbs up on Hangman. Um, next up is man, this movie is so much fucking fun, and I'm surprised it didn't get more play. It's uh, Kevin Bacon and Cop Car.
0: Oh cop um, car is so fun. Yeah, I need to get it's around to it watching it. So
1: fucking good. Uh it's super fucking basic and that's why it's so special, is that two kids, little kids, probably between the ages of what, maybe eight and ten.
2: Yeah, they can't that, be any older than ten.
1: Yeah, they uh see a cop car that's uh unattended. It's not a band. It's unattended, and they decide to take it for a spin, <laughs> and the, there's something in the car that is very, very special, and the sheriff can't let this secret out, and he spends the entire movie hunting down these kids that stole his cop car. Um, But it's way more than that. And like I said, it's super basic, but it's a lot of fun, and it's super fucking intense. And it doesn't really have much to go on, but it's just direction, man. Um, Like, the director of the film knew to utilize that was like 88 minutes of, you know, just – it's super suspenseful. So definitely a lot of fun. It's cheap. I've seen it a few places – Best Buy and – Walmart and movie stop it's it's cheap there so definitely definitely pick it up uh you won't be disappointed definitely one of the better movies i've seen this year um and last but not least uh i any way shape or form pick this up i don't i'm anti-netflix basically um if you pick up the blu-ray of turbo kid um i don't care if it's the steel book to come out i don't care if it's this limited edition big box blu-ray set yeah, you know what, Sean, you can go. You can go straight to hell. Um, so, anyways, uh, Turbo Kid is special in many ways and needs yeah. to get acknowledged just a tiny bit more because of the piracy that really affected this movie pretty hardcore. And um, if you're watching on Netflix, it's great. You're spreading the word, but you really probably need to fork over some money for it. They gave it, it away it was on released- Amazon
0: Prime digitally. Like, the release, it was in theaters, and then Amazon Prime, the day it released in theaters, said, all right, it's up on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch right. it free. It's, yeah,
2: there I, I was, there's was like, no the excuse. People are just dicks oh, is really yeah. what it comes down to. Is that why because they did it to try people- to get <clears throat> they were, yeah they they put it on Amazon Prime because they were trying to
0: combat the you know, piracy. People, they're
2: trying to combat the private Fuck. the piracy by making it more accessible okay. for people, but people are just assholes. Like that's just yeah. what it comes down to.
1: So you know, it, for a film to actually get you know a fairly decent release on Blu-ray um, after it's been fucking raped basically on fucking torrents and shit, like it's kind of a shame. Um, you know this happens every once in a while um, for for these films, and it and it's it ends up because the chances are you're not going to get another film uh, from filmmakers like this because a lot of unless they make it super independent with their friends, like no one's going to come to them for money. I don't care how trending it is on Netflix. It's not going to be. They're going to look at the results and be like, "Hey, your movie made five dollars." No, you're not going to get anything from us. Uh, you're going to have to do this shit independently. It's it's not going to come easy for these people. So, if you want films from you know Jason Eisner, uh, from these guys, from the guys that did Coherence, you're not going to get yeah. another movie from these people because of piracy. I feel
0: like this happened. Like there was a movie called Hunter prey by this guy named Sandy cholera. And yeah, I think that happened to him too, because it like all the geeks were look, cause it's, it was it a sci-fi, all practical effects flick. It's really good. I have the DVD and like the movie was released and that, but I think it got pirated to shit because it didn't go anywhere. It didn't get a Blu-ray release. it only got the DVD release. And then he did a Kickstarter for his next movie. And he made he didn't he hit his goal, and he just disappeared.
1: No, he, he uh, did another goal um, a couple months ago, and did he, he, he did hit it. Did he? Yeah, and he's actually made little action figures for his amphibian stuff. Yeah, I'm actually but friends with Sandy, but so. it's taken.
0: I mean, but it's taken him since 2009 it's ta- it's to get his taken next him a long film on. The, time. You know, yeah. it, it's it's ridiculous.
1: So, but uh, no, I I agree with you. It's 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 those things where they have to go this strict independent route or crowdfunding in order to get their next movie off the ground. Um, Because, you know, not every Hollywood story is going to be the Starry Eyes guys where they get Mama 2 or something like that. They're fortunate. They're fortunate to get something like that. But if, you know, if you want, I mean, we love independent movies because we get to see films that studios aren't attached to. So we get the filmmakers you know, true voice almost a hundred percent, you know, because, you know, you have friends of friends of friends, producer friends, you know, confidently putting money into these projects because they know that this director's voice is going to be unique. And, you know, think about all the independent movies. You can think about the popular ones like Adam Wingard's getting, getting money to do, you know, some big budget movies. Um, like I said, uh, you know, the starry eyes guy is, Will get you know are getting money you know, probably the spring guys will probably get you know something just because of the popularity of their films. But you got to think about all these fucking independent movies that are you know pirated and pirated a lot. I mean, we have the one story of the battery. I was just you know, going to J- bring
2: that up. Like it's you it's know, insane to me.
1: Yeah, we just talked to them. I mean, you know, I know we didn't go too much into detail uh, on that episode, but I mean that was be gracious they weren't you, you have everybody talking about your movie but you don't have anything to show for it you know and i'm not saying that they deserve to be fucking you know billionaires and quit their job and make movies full time but when you're struggling uh, in life you know on the same time of trying to be a filmmaker and you know you can go on twitter and facebook and look at these thousands and thousands of people talking about your movie but you look at your, you know, what your revenue is for these films, and it's basically zero dollars. Like something, something's wrong. If you want to continue watching, the, like you could say, "Oh man, it follows is great. Turbo Kid is fantastic." If you want to keep saying those types of things, you might want to start forking over some money because in ten years, these indie movies are going to get less and less and less and less.
2: Well, they're the already where, getting less and less and less. True. Because we, yeah. we don't. We don't even have a mid-range. Section of movies anymore. There are no more ten to fifteen, you know, million dollar movies being made. It's either you get a million and under, or you get a hundred million and it's a blockbuster. There's nothing in between anymore. Yeah. And it's it's such a shame that it's because just people are dicks. And like yeah. I'm, if you're out there and you're pirating and you're gonna try and defend it to me, like hold your breath. Like you're a dick. Period.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And if you, you have the one of those sayings that like, well, I'm going to buy it if I like it. Well, that doesn't really work because, you know, it's on demand for a reason because results can be seen. You can watch as many Netflix movies as you want, and you can say it's on Netflix and promote it on Netflix. It doesn't really fucking do anything because those filmmakers, I've spoken to them. They don't know what the fuck is happening on Netflix. They have a... A thousand people telling them that their movie's great, but they don't see any results from those things. Yep, it's trending. The only reason it's trending is because the algorithm for Netflix looks at what you watch and what you like. So the thing that's trending is you know relation to the films that you watch all the time. If you watch all these horror films, Turbo Kid's going to be number one. Yay! But that doesn't mean anything. You know, if you if if, if you have Netflix. Fucking go to voodoo. Fucking rent something. Get your at, look at the theater. See if it's within twenty miles. Go to the theater to see it. You know, I don't care if it's the fucking forest. I don't care if it's the boy. Go see those fucking movies because if you, you know, they might not be great, but if you want horror films like that to come to your theater, then fucking support everything. You got to support horror a hundred percent. Because that's the only way, you know, you got to give those filmmakers another chance. Maybe The Force isn't great, but maybe the next film that those people make will be great. I don't know. But you have to support the industry and you have to support these small little movies because horror is the one thing that always gets shit on because there's no really fucking, you know, there's no big awards for it. There's all the chainsaw awards and shit like that, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, those are community-driven award shows and community-driven, you know, uh, advertisements, promotions, all that stuff.
2: Because it's a but, community-driven genre. Right. Like, that's, and, that's how we have to look at it is that horror, horror has always been fringe and it's always been, you know, kind of risky. And the only reason that it survives is because of the community of people that are like-minded that also enjoy it. And if we can't work together and quite frankly, put our money where our mouths are, it's going to go away. Like, and that's just, yeah, um, that's just real talk. We're just gonna getting keep,
1: less and less and less.
2: We're just going to keep getting remakes and installments of shit that we don't like because they're just going to try and play it safe. We're not going to get originality. And it's just, it kills me because these like ultra, ultra low budget or underground horror stuff that I really enjoy watching Like these are people that, you know, back in the 80s, their movies would have found an audience and they would have gotten the opportunity to do something bigger and better. But now because of how saturated the market is and how how little money there is, like the likelihood that any of these people making films are going to ever make a film outside of, you know, shooting in the woods in their you know respective hometown regions is so slim and it's such a shame because there's so many talented people that are never going to have opportunities because of things like piracy it all stems back from it because that's what's taking the money away from everything and it's ridiculous it's disgusting and i hate it and if you pirate i hate you <laughs> and i yeah, hope your kids you, forget and, how to read
1: yeah and if you say I'll, I'll wait for netflix you can go to hell
2: yep hate you even worse
1: yeah, because that doesn't really help anything. Because you're paying what, like five ninety nine a month or something? Uh,
0: yeah. Seven ninety nine, man. Seven seven ninety nine.
1: Oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa! Filmmakers' pants are falling down from all that money.
0: <laughs> it's funny. So, cause I, I always, end up, I always end up buying a movie, and then then that the day I buy it, it usually ends up on Netflix, and I'm always like, ah. But you know, it's
1: okay because you support you supported something.
0: My money. You're giving it more
1: money. Yeah, you're 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 giving it a little bit more money because you know. Yeah, you could watch it on Netflix, but what about that ten dollars you could have spent and made that sales go up just a little bit more? Yep.
0: You know, you know what I use Netflix for the most? We watch a lot. Like whenever my my wife wants to watch a TV show, she watches using Netflix. But for the kids, like instead of me going to their cabinet full of movies, I go check Netflix first, and then then I don't have to get out of my chair to grab a movie for them. Normally, it's on Netflix already. <laughs> so that's great. That works out.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I think Netflix is great because it gives the opportunity for people to see movies like Turbo Kid. it's another
0: wouldn't. avenue. I think if you you, you know, Right.
1: I, it's not a bad thing, and I don't want to trash Netflix at all, but it, you need to, you know, you definitely need to think about renting movies and, you know, lo- looking, I'm not ex- telling you to buy every film, but renting it digitally would help wonders. So that's the reason why it's those, those, the movies are in theaters and they're on, uh, you know, Amazon prime to rent and they're on voodoo. It's because of that Avenue that they want to go down is like, Hey, you can go to the theater or you can rent this here and the numbers will show. So,
0: yep. All right. All right. Let's jump into our interview. With Cynthia Sorrell. She's the screenwriter for Black Roses. And we'll be back after this talking about uh, Terror on Tour and Strange Land. So stick around.
1: D. Snyder's Strange Land. <laughs>
0: Today's guest, we're super excited about having her on. We have Cynthia Sorrell, who is the writer of Black Roses, a film that we have talked about these past couple of weeks, Brad, quite a bit. Yes, she was also involved in uh, the film Rock and Roll Nightmare. So uh, these are two touchstones, in my opinion, of the heavy metal horror subgenre, and uh, we're very pleased to have you with us, Cynthia.
3: Yay. I'm so pleased to be here.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's one of those so, things where you know, we it's like, you know, where do we start because you you got your start, I guess, in the film in the, these films with Rock and Roll Nightmare. Not Correct, really No. No. How how did you oh. get how did you get wrapped into this insanity? That's pretty much what we want to know. Oh,
3: that's so funny. Okay, <laughs> well, um I was working under the pseudonym Joyce James, editing um, basically smut magazines. Um, they had high tone names like Cinema, Cinema Blue and Adult Cinema Review, but they were basically smut. <laughs> and I attained quite a following from that. And decided one day that I want to direct a movie and that I wanted it to be as crazy as possible and break through all of the barriers between uh, porn and straight films and art films and cult films. I wanted to make something just like that, and I made the film Driller, triple X rated. Porn, holy shit! You Michael did that, Jackson, the Michael Jackson thriller. Thing. Oh yeah, oh God! It was the world, I fucking love that thing. Singing, dancing, porn movie with zombies in the <laughs> graveyard. Jesus, doing Christ, it that thing hardcore, is
1: so fucking good. And Wild Eye, thank was you, thank in, you, and releasing that. Yeah,
3: I was insane. I was And I I had an insane and wonderful producer, Timothy Green Beckley, who's a cult icon in himself. And uh, even though I blew his money on Driller, making my fantasy, um, we're still friends after all these years. So basically, Driller was where I met John Fasano, writer slash Director slash pornographer slash producer. (laughs) And, uh, we then teamed up and moved in that way that so many people do up the sleazy, slimy ladder from porn into soft core horror and then into tamer horror. Which really wasn't terribly exploited, i.e., z- all the nightmare movies, zombie nightmare, then rock and roll nightmare, and Black Roses. Nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I think it's kind of important to know my history as. Not just a rock and roll rebel, but as someone who was on, you know, meet the press debating the heads of the National Organization of Women. You know, I was a pro pornography feminist advocate. And that was not something very typical Mm -hmm. in the 80s, to say the least. And if you think of Black Roses and the strange messages in there, you can see them as the outgrowth of the person who was out there campaigning for feminist pornography. Is that Mm. crazy enough for you?
0: That's awesome. I mean, it it seems (laughs) around around that time, because I was – in 1988, I was ten. In utero, I'm sure. <laughs> I was ten. In utero, admit it. I, I, I yeah, you know, I'm a little older than that, but uh, but I used, to be, but I remember around that time because I was starting to get more in- interested in music, and I was starting to get interested in in heavy metal and things like that. And I and I was raised by very strong, uh, had a very strong Christian upbringing. So my yeah, parents, I felt that my parents were very much. Uh, involved in like monitoring all the music, very much in oh, the satanic no, panic,
4: um,
0: oh. all that stuff. And we, I mean, we, I remember we had for a while, they got the TV out of our house because of the, you know, all the negative wow. influences this stuff can bring in.
3: <laughs> we got so, the TV out of our house and the stereo in Black Roses. Um, so you're probably wondering. I wonder if Cynthia is as crazy as my parents, and did she write <laughs> that movie? I've no, had I feel like th- people ask me if I believe that rock music is the devil. <laughs> I have had people ask me straight, and I've even had our greatest fan, Billy Laroque, and shout out to Billy LaRock. Um, I've even had him ask me, Please explain to me in a message how you're not aligned with the devil. And I mean, like, <laughs> okay, really?
0: <laughs> well, I feel like yeah, Black Roses no. was, a, was, I feel like it was a response to that, what was going on in the society at the time um, with was all this of stuff, my all the rebellion censorship. against right. the establishment.
3: I hey, do not, that works I do not believe that rock music or heavy metal music is of the devil I don't believe that I don't believe in the uh, judeo-christian construct of a devil in fact the only devil I believe in is the devil card in the tarot since I am an adept at tarot and astrology. Okay. So no, I would I I would think and certainly thought in the eighties, as did everyone involved with both Rock and Roll Nightmare and with Black Roses, we all thought that those Christian fringe groups who were, you know, trying to censor heavy metal and even rock lyrics and trying to force them to post their lyrics on their album. We all just thought that was insane, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, I grew up worshiping Patty Smith. Patty Smith is my female icon, and, you know, I consider myself a rock and roll N-word, and I'm out to do as much, I've always been, out to do as much damage to society as possible. And I'm very proud to say that my daughter... Um, comedian writer feminist uh what else does she do oh and singer lucia fasano is most certainly just burning down the house
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah it runs in the family
1: well that's, that's awesome. not that's not uh that's not a bad thing
3: we are really literally all. not to be messed with <laughs> yeah, I was about quite, to say, like, literally.
1: I'm. As soon as you said "driller," I was <laughs> like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" I was like, "This conversation is going to be completely different from what I imagined."
3: <laughs> yes, you don't know me very
1: well, and I—I <laughs> I had no idea that was you. I had well, no idea.
3: Actually, this is the first place, and you have the uh, privilege because I've been asked by three different. I keep forgetting it's not a blog, a podcast. This is the third (laughs) request that I've had to reveal that I am, in fact, Joyce James. Um, Yeah, Joyce James. I fucking love Thriller so much. Oh, I'm so glad because to me, Thriller is just crazy. And I don't understand why people aren't watching it and just fucking laughing there.
1: Their pants oh, off. I saw. It. I mean, I, I
3: s- tried. I tried. I tried with every fiber of my being to make it the most lunatic film you did. I possibly
1: could. I didn't know and, I was watching. Some, I didn't even know I was allowed to see something like that.
3: <laughs> well, if you do rewatch it, I if have you watch
1: a few the times. Opening,
3: if you watch the opening scene. Um, where the hot star Michael Jackson guy is dancing on stage. I'm the one in the front stage screaming, Triller! He's yeah,
4: a Triller!
3: <laughs> and making a fool of myself. And then a big buff bodyguard comes over, picks me up, throws me back into the seat, and screams, Sit down, lady! <laughs> and that was my introduction to my future husband, John Fasana. Wow. That was literally the moment we met.
1: That's
3: awesome. (laughs) That's such a special moment for our children. (laughs) Here, guys, cue up this point in my porn film, and you can see the moment your parents met and where, in fact, your father first touched me when he hauled me down. <laughs> <laughs> I have incredible. to admit, there's something about a man being able to pick you up and throw you down into a seat that can kind of impress a girl.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: what can I say? I, yeah, so, so, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, um, cameos throughout our films and, you know our kids are in our films. My brother, John's sister. You know my son Jesse is in all of our films. John's best friend from high school. They're all in our films. <laughs> but really, Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare were family affairs. Family and friend affairs.
1: So I was part yeah. of their fund. To, to go back, you you did the film Driller, and then I that led... A-
3: I produced and directed Driller with okay. Timothy
1: Green Beckley.
3: Hi, Tim! <laughs> no, also known as Mr. UFO, and also known as Mr. Creepy, which Mr. is far Crispy. less attractive, I would say. <laughs>
1: but uh, what
3: can I say? Tim, Tim is a trick.
1: So were you hoping to go further into this industry, kind of this down this rabbit hole of, like, parody pornography, or were you just wanting to get that out of your system and then came the other films?
3: I was very interested in incorporating what I felt was erotic. Um, let's call it, for the sake of what the fuck, let's call it <laughs> feminist erotica. Now, this wouldn't be, say, Candida Royale's idea. A a dear friend, and I'm sorry she passed, but she and I, Joyce James, Candida Royale, no. I mean, I like really good, gritty, dirty sex. Um, Some people would say, well, that's not feminist. But from my perspective, if it's in my mind, and I've come up with it and I am a feminist, then it is feminist. Like whatever, however it seems to someone else, you know, that's how I see it. So, um, I would have liked to inject more, let's just call it feminist sexuality into both rock and roll nightmare and black roses. But The, I had nothing, nothing to do with the script of Rock and Roll Nightmare. And with Black Roses, the expectations were put on us by SGE, Shapiro Glickenhouse Entertainment, that they, they wanted, they did not want something left of sender. They did not want a driller something that you can watch better when you're on, when you're tripping. I mean, literally, Thriller is a good film to watch when you're tripping. And maybe the same is true of Rock and Roll Nightmare. But Black Roses is a different thing. It's a much more focused, Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different caliber. Film. Yeah. It, it, I was actually, and I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I was actually trying to say something with Black Roses. Um, where I, do you I, want to go with this? Well, I can I, go anywhere.
1: I, I Well, I felt that you did yeah. make... Uh, I, I, I do feel, because out of everything, all the heavy metal horror films coming from so many things of rebellion, from satanic panic, I think Black Roses is one of the films, probably the, the only film, other than maybe Trick or Treat, that actually gets that, because... Trick or Treats more or less about obsession and um, you know I, idolizing, and then realizing okay. you know that. But I think Black Roses is one of those things that is it does show that rebellion. It shows, um, it just it, it it takes it almost makes fun of kind of the satanic panic in a way for for for, for me. And I'm
3: so glad you said that.
1: Yeah, and it, that's, as I that's say, how I get all
3: the time with questions about yeah. whether I really believe that there's satanic panic. And I think that that can, I think that maybe the um, dialogue exchange that sort of sums up Cynthia Sorrell's opinion is where Julie Adams is in the gym and she's the head of the, you know, the rights to protect the parents from the children. Who are, uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Julie Adams, who was cast because, of course, she was the woman and creature from the Black Lagoon. And John Fasano was absolutely obsessed with the creature. So, having Julie Adams there was just like the chip of trips. But <laughs> anyway, um, that was an aside, but I always find it amusing that uh, that, that is the case. But, I mean, basically um what julie adams says you know these black roses they seem to be you know really detrimental to our children and mayor farnsworth says but you know honey there were just as many objections to the lindy hop in our Mm day." and it's like it's so true every single if you think of dylan plugs Or, you know, Dylan, acoustic, and then rock and roll, Dylan. Oh, my God. Dylan's got electric. Oh, no. The Savior's departed us. (laughs) That kind of just absolute, that is absolute nonsense.
0: Well, there's definitely. Absolute nonsense. Yeah, there, there's definitely I, I I get the satire because there's satire in this for sure. Good, um, so glad, and, and, and I and I and so I get glad and, someone did well, and, and it's just <laughs> I think just because for me because I kind of lived through it as being told that this music and these movies will you know will cause me to will get uh you. you know possessed you by demons or with <laughs> exactly exactly like my i mean i was taught that this what, what happens in black roses would happen to me right so so watching this oh, dear, unfold so sorry to have unleashed that on you <laughs> oh the, the, that, and that's that's why i love this film like the, i mean these these a little protest point with your parents ah uh, we're we're past that now
3: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm really glad that you've worked that out
0: yeah we we totally worked that out we're we're, we're good. good but um what i i mean These movies, like, I think we genuinely love these flicks. Like, some people watch these as, like, oh, they're so bad, they're good, whatever. But, like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're goofy. They're eight, they're in, they were in the 80s, late 80s, early 80s. And they're made
3: for almost infinitesimal budgets.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. But, like,
3: schedules that
0: were inhuman. (laughs) But there's something I think that these movies, especially for me and Brad, like, they touch on something that we genuinely love these flicks you know, and oh, wow. we're not going to be... Maybe
3: it's the sense of purity that we went into yeah. making them. I mean, with both, the like you were, you were I think you were both kind of wondering what linked Rock and Roll Nightmare to Black Roses. And there's a lot. <laughs> um, one was Momentum, that Rock and Roll Nightmare, um, and it's, soundtrack were very popular so we were able to get funding for another rock and roll horror film but with a higher budget with in fact a 10 times high black roses was shot for nearly half a million dollars and black roses for depending on who you talk to, but I believe 40, and I was handling the book, $44,000. The only way that either of these films got made and looked as good slash bad as they did is because we we have a really good family and really smart friends who are, very interested in doing a sort of grassroots fun. Let's get together and make a horror movie. And with both films, literally we had friends and family cooking up special effects stuff in their basement, Mm -hmm. in our basement. The Julie monster was sculpted in my basement. Um, the, the little boy werewolf appliance that went on my son, Jesse D'Angelo, was done by Frank Geets in my basement. So literally, our house in Yonkers, New York, became a little, you know, in-house film factory. And, you know, across town, my brother was making chicken monsters that come out of the stove. And Oh, chicken monsters that come out of the refrigerator, excuse me, and um, other goofy monsters that come out of the stove to grab me, by the way, playing the mom in Rock and Roll Nightmare in the opening scene Mm -hmm. where I'm making eggs and I say, Second floor, breakfast (laughs) is almost ready. And my son, Jesse, goes, Okay, mom. Don't scramble the eggs without me. <laughs> the next thing you know, I've been grabbed by the oven monster who yeah. <laughs> drags me away. And yeah, my son is being made up as a werewolf. His that's fantasy
0: right. come true. There's a great little uh, behind the scenes on the DVD of uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare. Uh, you know, creating a child with like there's a little behind little feature It's oh. fantastic. Oh.
3: Yeah, those are all mine. <laughs> I hope you know. Those are all mine.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: So, um, you with, As, as with far the... as the music, I know you oh, wanted to talk ass. about
0: the music. Oh, hell yes.
1: Yeah, who did the arrangements for the soundtrack for this? Which one? For, for, for Black Roses, getting like King Cobra, even. Because King, King Cobra is half the band, correct? Of Black Roses?
3: Carmine <laughs> Apache,
1: also known as Carmine Peace, he is in
3: the band Black Roses, the correct. fake band for the film. And one of his songs, Take It Off, is on the
1: soundtrack album. But he's also a member of King Cobra, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. That's, that's what yeah. I was saying, is that some of the members of King Absolutely. Cobra is actually the band members of Black Roses on in Only the film. Only one. Only one, Just okay. Just
3: Carmine Apache. And he was, he was fucking amazing. Oh, my God. He was so happy to be in a horror film playing the drummer. Oh, yeah, he loved that. But um, when Black Roses' uh, band becomes demonic. It's actually our friend Chet Nikelski under the makeup, not Carmine okay. Apache. So, um, I have to, uh, there's so much to say about the music for <laughs> black roses. First, I'll say that, um, since this was uh, really a mom and pop affair, um, you know, I did the casting for Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare and cast Sal Viviano as Damien, not only because he's a great actor and he's really, really good looking in just the way that Damien should be. But because he was and still is a musical Broadway performer with the world's best fucking voice right? So wow. I'm like, I cannot believe we found this guy. He's been in Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Wow, we really lucked out. And then our backers go, nope, he can't sing. Sorry, we're going to actually <laughs> have him dubbed by the producer, meaning the money people producer, not the hands-on producer, Alan mm-hmm. Solomon son, Elliot Solomon is going to dub all of Damien's songs and also he's going to write all of the songs other than ones he can get from, say, Lizzie Borden, um, who did Me Against the World, which is a fucking amazing track. Um, I was absolutely devastated. I mean... Here we had one of the, the, we had a Broadway caliber singer who could really deliver, and he's told, and I'm told, he can't even sing in the movie. Wow. So I was not predisposed toward Elliot Solomon. Um, On the other hand, I was asked by Elliot Solomon to tell him what, the significance was of the scene where Damien does his smarmy pitch to the parents to convince him that he's mm-hmm. really Barry Manilow <laughs> and he sings the song called we're on, we're on Our Way to Paradise or My Hometown. And I told him what the song needed to say and he said, fucking nailed it. I could not believe it. And when I finally heard the rest of his songs, rock invasion, dance on fire, those songs, they are amazing. The guy, the guy can sing, the guy can arrange. He put together all that music. He's a genius. So, you know, A lot of the popularity for Black Roses and the music really goes to Elliot Solomon, someone I never met.
0: That's incredible.
3: It is. And in fact, I've been saying to people recently, do you know Elliot Solomon? I'd really like to thank (laughs) him, but he, he seems elusive. So, Elliot, if you hear this, dude... (laughs) <laughs> Great job!
0: It's incredible that you never met the guy that contributed the most. He read uh, to he the, read kinda, the, the, the the music of the film, That's, and he
3: saw yeah. the raw footage, and he just yeah. got it. I mean, the lyrics, wow. the lyrics to "Rock Invasion." When I heard that, I just thought no one could have come up with anything that would be in a better style, that would have better lyrics, that would be more catchy, that would be a better song, that would be more appropriate. (laughs) If And then Dance on Fire? Good Lord. (sighs) Praise the Goddess. Let me tell you, those (laughs) songs rock. And we, believe it or not, I mean, this sounds kind of nutty, but my family... Meaning, you know, me and my kids, we all own the soundtrack albums to Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare and a lot of albums and a lot of albums by John Thor, too. And we play them all the time.
1: We all (laughs) love
3: that music.
1: You are in good company because that's what we do. So. I've we been a love, fan of the soundtrack in the film John since Thor. I was little. So. We love
3: John Thor. John Thor is like the greatest guy alive, and I have known him for, oh, if I tell you, that would be bad. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to say decades. That'll be bad enough. Many. When John Thor was walking around with Greyhounds, okay, I knew him.
1: So, okay. Well, yeah. there you go.
3: Yeah. Good guy. Good guy.
1: Yeah, we uh yeah, we had him on the the very first entry for for this uh for this month for heavy metal.
3: Yeah, board. I heard.
1: Always, uh, I'm was, dying uh, to hear it. Quite uh quite the conversation, which he always he's always been a big part of, you know, uh, yeah, I listened to his music growing up and, uh, you know, was a fan of the film. Um, but the same thing with you Black know what Roses. It is about,
3: you know what it is about John Thor? And I probably interrupted you, but... I oh, get no, it's so okay. Excited. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. So that was by, by way of an apology. Uh, yeah. So I love John Thor. And really, the reason that John Fasano and I both just wanted to get... John Thor scene and get his music out there is because he was like we were and he still is. You know, he is really a humble, nice, caring human being, you know, and what he puts out there is extremely positive. And his song, Energy, um, on Rock and Roll Nightmare. I love that song. That's a terrific song. And it's like, even though his his act may be kind of wacky and he runs around, (laughs) you know, acting like Thor, the message of his songs is never violent. It's always healing through music, healing through music. And that's that's where we bonded. You know, so every song on Rock and Roll Nightmare is something positive.
1: Even if shit's going down, yeah,
3: especially if shit's going down.
1: Well, especially
3: if we accept the challenge. Oh. That's sort of a, our family song.
1: So during during uh, after Black Roses was completed, how was uh, because it's hard to find a lot of information for some for some of these films that are older. Trying to right. find out kind of the success and kind of. What was the reception from the you know the people? Like, was this something that parents got angry over, or how how was the release of this film during that time?
3: Um, very positive. Black Roses was released with a first time box cover on VHS,
1: which you may or may not have seen, and it was bumpy. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yes, it was
3: indeed. It was indeed bumpy. Uh, it yeah. could be, it could almost be called the Braille cover, VHS cover. It had a, uh, what would be the correct word? A bar relief would be the correct word, a bar relief of a guitar and a rose. And it was pretty hot. People just bought it up. Um, there was not a lot of flack over the soundtrack. No. Um, over the film, I'd say at the time, oddly, which is when we expected flack, and actually hoped for flack. Yeah, just being have, strong yeah. believers that all publicity is good publicity. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of flack, you know. I guess everyone listened to my hometown, and they were suckered in. Yeah, <laughs> believing that Black Roses really was good for them, those fools, those morons. <laughs> we What's suckered is, them like... in, and they're now actually all evil. I, I hate to even say Satanist because I know good Satanists. So there's almost no one you can abuse these days and still be politically correct. <laughs> mm.
0: I I feel like Black Roses could have operated on both levels, you know, where there's the satirical level <laughs> that people would would get. But then I it's hope. also like, well, you know what? When people are
3: dragged into a, a speaker, <laughs> if they don't think we're being satiric, there's something a little wrong. And I'm so sorry that I interrupted you, but I just had to say that that was my living room. And the the speaker... And the the speaker that eventually uh, takes Vinnie Pastore, of Mm Soprano's fame, um, (laughs) into the netherworld, that was actually done by cutting into the wall of my living room. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And that is what you call guerrilla filmmaking.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what was your question?
1: I was so- t- I was so taken back well no i think I think you answered for just, you were j just just, 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 just just for the release, um you know, just just kind of how it was received, but I think, I think I think you answered it its entirety, yeah, yeah,
0: it sounds like it was it was actually received pretty well it was
1: actually received pretty well, I think people yeah. understood
3: that there was no hidden message that was gonna be of any damage <laughs> to anyone, and that hey like the like the parents group sitting in the auditorium and going these black roses aren't half bad
1: <laughs> totally so after um after black roses with um kind of how you guys are dishing out these films left and right what was next for you guys since this was all kind of family oriented what um yeah. what was, what was um, coming down the line
3: well there was another there was one more ultra-low-budget sort of a horror film, which no one knows about. And the rights are apparently in dispute. And I'm, for all mm. I know, it's not even available on... I mean, you can get CHS copies of it, but I don't think anyone... No one's gone ahead with it because they don't understand who owns the, the rights to the DVDs of this very odd film called The Jitters, which yep. was our last foray into low-budget horror exploitation.
1: And some um, of the best there's no makeup music effects for in it. Well, great special effects, though. That monster effects are ridiculous. Yes.
3: It has, it has one of Steve Wang's best special effects, what we call the exploding head effect. And Steve Wang is an underrated master, um, not just a painter, but a designer. And, you know, we got some of his best work in both Black Roses and in the Jitters and you know, for some reason, the film hasn't really caught on, doesn't have much of a following. Even though it stars James Hong,
4: yeah, and he I was about seems to
3: have a kind of a following. And I think it's too soft to be considered. It doesn't really fit into any genre. It's a wacky, hopping vampire movie. Yep. Yeah, there's vampires
1: <laughs> who pop. It
0: is. Now, I really want to see what this. They're
3: called, they're the Gyeongsi, and the Gyeongzi, um apparently, is a very familiar and deeply entrenched Chinese legend, and there have been a lot of film, Chinese films, made about the Gyeongsi, and they are terrifying. And the difference between them and our vampires is basically, they have a yellow sticker over their head. Yes. If it you glows. pull the yellow sticker off, then the Beyonce can go hop around. Yes, they hop and they can hop great distances. They hop kind of like Totoro and then they can bite their next victim. They're really nutty. And so wow. we decided to make this movie and, it did start Sal Viviano hoping to give him something good to do after not letting him sing in Black Roses. <laughs> but then um, John Fasano and I both went to Hollywood as it goes and both got involved in making studio films. So, yeah, that was the end of our innocence. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. When you when you stop making films with your friends and family for fun, hmm. you you lose innocence, a great deal of it.
1: Well, just let the listeners so, know you can get the jitters on DVD because I think Fred and Ray's company released it on DVD a few years ago.
3: Oh yeah, Oh, yeah. I don't
1: That's believe cool. it's a. Yeah, I don't believe it's like Maybe a. Maybe
3: he owns it then.
1: Well, Retro Media is Fred Olin Ray's company, and um, I know that yeah. they release it for sure because I have it. Um, oh, cool! So, but it's they're pretty
3: lunatic.
1: It's insane. It, I'm it's, in it. Yes, it is insane. But I love it. I'm it's, in
3: it. <laughs> um, my son Jesse is in it. He's a hopping vampire. He's the littlest hopping vampire, and I'm in <laughs> one of the last scenes. I play a old woman from Brooklyn buying something in the gift shop. And yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed making my little cameos. But then as I said, then we went to Hollywood and Mm -hmm. John became a famous screenwriter and wrote another 48 hours and that put him on the map and he wrote tombstone and he wrote The Hunchback and The Hunley for TNT. And uh, you know, for for you know, he never lost his interest in horror and effects, especially, and um Darkness Falls is probably Darkness Falls and Alien Three um, are probably the the films mm-hmm. that most satisfied that. Part of him. Um, for me, and I—no one can ever believe this. I, I, I really—I have almost zero interest in sci-fi or fantasy or monsters. I grew up wanting to be an English professor. I, <laughs> I I'm a biographer of Edgar Allan Poe. I'm a follower of the the decadent movement of the nineteenth century. You know, I mean monster movies, Ray Harryhausen. Who are these people? It's like (laughs) I had no no knowledge of these people or that it was important to know who Rick Baker Mm -hmm. was, you know, or I had no idea like what made one special effect Better than another or why anyone would want to watch a movie like the Metaluna mutant or the creature from the black lagoon. I mean, ha- I had no idea. And you know, I, you know, to me, I see it as, you know, it's an obsession. It's a, you know, a certain kind of fetish and I have many of my own, but those are in it. It's like the film. The films I want to make are about the hidden secrets of Edgar Allan Poe, you know, or biographical, so, you know, films like Merchant Ivory. Yeah, so it's kind of funny <laughs> that.
0: So you so you moved on from kind of these films and you followed your you started following your path more in literature and, and, and things like that. I mean, yeah. I and writing, writing
3: novels,
0: writing, and
3: writing yeah. biography. And, uh, about 20 years ago, I became deeply involved with Edgar Allan Poe. And, uh, I have a Poe website called Poe Revealed. Um, it helps to enter my last name since there are so many Poe websites, but if you enter Sorel. <laughs> Along with Poe revealed, you're sure to find it.
0: Uh, we'll put it. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes for sure, so people can find it. Do you have anything uh, published about Edgar Allan Poe out right now, or is there, or is this something you're you've been compiling?
3: I've been compiling a lot. I've lectured to um, the Poe. Oh, I want to get the name right. The Poe Museum at Richmond, I believe, is its, its most current title. And I lectured there on Poe Day, which was very exciting during the Poe Bicentennial. And I lectured on my extremely contentious views that Poe did have an illegitimate child. So, uh, yeah, as Mm. usual, I like doing things left of center.
0: (laughs) What what got you interested in Edgar Allan Poe as far as... This level of of you know research and stuff was it something you'd always been in, interested in your whole life or was there something that's kind of sparked that interest? That's really a good question.
3: Um, someone came to John. I mean, I've always liked Edgar Allan Poe, but I was never a special fan of his, mostly because of his associations with horror and the fact that I didn't mm-hmm. particularly like horror. So I didn't really read much Poe, you know. Um, John Sassano was interested in doing a script about Poe at West Point, and someone, Michael Sipley, who's now an editor for the New York Times, was actually the one who came up with the idea of doing something that was a a murder mystery about Poe at West Point. I really, as I said, I had you know, as much interest in Poe as in any other literary figure. Meaning, sure, are you kidding? Great, and I got into it and I learned all about Poe at West Point and on and on and yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it just kept on going. You, just, you started researching it and you just. I just, just uh... couldn't
3: stop. <laughs> that tends to be my tendency with pretty much anything once I get into it I pretty much can't touch
0: and so right. what
1: is your passion now what are you doing uh you' you're a teacher is uh, i recall what you say what you were saying earlier um
3: I'm a teacher by training um uh-huh. and by uh, by experience and just sort of by attitude that I, I think I messaged you, like, for an insight into me, if you know Black Roses, I am Matthew Warhouse. You know, <laughs> the, character, the character of, and I mean, clearly I don't mean I am John Martin, although I did cast John Martin for my own particular uh, reasons because he looked a like man. Mark Gable. <laughs> yes, and i am I have been obsessed with Clark Abel my entire life, so he could actually put on quite a good Clark Abel, and he was the Marlborough man, so yeah, okay, yes. so he became a good hero, and you know, to cast an English teacher as the good guy who's trying to get people to read, but also. Who wants to be someone perceived as approachable, um, who mm-hmm. students can come to with their stuff and be able to trust them? It, you know, it's sort of a bit of self-flattery, like if a lawyer wrote a character who was incredibly sympathetic. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've I've always had that very strong desire to teach and to protect, to protect kids, protect kids. Mm -hmm. It's always been of interest to me. And, you know, I am a parent of three. So, you know, I always have kids on my mind of all ages, whenever I'm writing.
1: Uh, speaking of kids, one of um, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but one of our uh, well I guess in a way colleagues, I guess you could say, um, but James James Rocky, who's a big, bigger blogger writer now, he's actually in Black mm. Roses. He plays one of the what? students. Yeah. He's, oh, you're um, kidding? Who's who, yeah, at he, the high he, school? Yeah, yeah, he's at the like the round table when all the kids are talking in the circle. Oh no! Yeah, Are you kidding? Yeah, I think kidding? he's he's in the red shirt. I believe the oh. the red shirt. Yeah, but anyways, he's oh, he's a friend. Hilarious. He's a friend friend of mine. He goes to the movie festivals. He's actually one of the you know bigger writers out there. Um, oh,
2: that's great.
1: Yeah. So his his first first and only uh, film. But yeah, he has a little bit, really? bit part in that film. Yeah. Wow. So it's weird, but wow. yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I just figured I'd interject that because a lot of people know who James Rocky is.
3: That is so.
0: really interesting. That's cool. I mean, it, it, it's it's cool to be able to talk about these these two flicks. Cause, I mean, I I I think I mean looking back on like heavy metal movies, Brad. I'm I'm the three movies that really, whenever I think heavy metal horror, I think of uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare. I think of Black Roses, and I think yeah, of Trick or wow, Trick. So, like, those are the three movies. Thank you. So to have two two of those movies, you guys you know, are involved with. B- so. Dirk, yeah, yeah, that's, really. that's awesome.
1: Let's, and Driller. What's? Yeah, thriller. Thriller. I mean,
3: again, for you know, you have to think of how hypocritical is a woman who says she's not interested in horror, but made a film that the <laughs> last scene is zombies fucking in a graveyard. <laughs> so just how honest am I when I say, yeah, I just sort of got into Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, you know, I, I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm uh yeah, I think I'm wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 a pleasure to be able to talk to you about, about these films. Brad, did you have anything else um before we close that that you wanted to bring up? Uh,
1: no, but you can you can buy Driller through Wilds Eye website, uh Wild Eye oh, releases. Oh. Um Yes, I
3: apologize can... for it. in advance, people.
1: <laughs> If you want to see but Michael think, Jackson have a huge penis, um,
3: it is worth. That's where you <laughs> the, go. the the uh, the driller, as we call him, as opposed to the Michael or the Michael Jackson guy, um, the <clears throat> Michael Jackson guy with the enormous squirting werewolf dick <laughs> it's worth watching it's at least worth getting it to fast forward to that
1: scene the bedroom scene is something yes. that you can just have on repeat because it la- I think it lasts about 30 minutes and it's the most entertaining thing that you'll probably see So
3: it's my favorite it's my favorite scene um, it's my favorite scene in the film and my other favorite scene is the one that's um <sighs> And I shouldn't say this. The sort of, the sort of necrophilia theme, um, Yeah. Is in the cave with the Gregorian chants. Yeah, I'm also very happy with that scene. That's one scene that I can say, I really got everything I wanted as a director. And, you know, I, I have to say, I am a confirmed feminist. <laughs> to say I, I am most certainly a feminist and if someone watches that scene and they think it's degrading to women wa- to women fuck them
1: fuck <laughs> well this is also oh, women and you know, month for okay. us too so this is another important yeah. thing is that uh, this is women and well, horses so yeah yes, I, I was gonna one. say it's, yes we're hitting we're hitting two things we got a twofer here i guess you could say is that Thank a thing you. do people say twofers? Is that a thing?
3: <laughs> well, not not hyphen. It would probably be better, but you know, I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. writer, producer, <laughs> lunatic, <laughs> certified lunatic.
0: Okay, I,
3: I'm a definite multi hyphenate then.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I, I think it's me. I mean, what you said about you know being a feminist and then but then being involved with these films, you know, with where there is rampant sexuality, even even in in Black Roses. Um, oh, but I think I'd love to talk about that. But I think we're out of time. I'd love to oh, talk about well, we, it. We, we, we can free up some time. Believe me. Um, well, I could I could
3: tell you in one minute about the gratuitous sure. sex in both Rock and Roll Nightmare and Black Roses. Want me to and please like, do as
1: quickly as possible?
3: You can um, take your oh, time, too. No
0: no, no need to yeah. rush it. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> well, we,
1: if um, we'll sit down for another story. We don't care. <laughs>
3: Please sit down. I'll tell you about John Thor and the show, famous shower scene from Rock and Roll Nightmare that destroyed his marriage. Um, oh, no. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, basically, that was a scene where we just figured... We stick John Thorne naked in the shower with this woman, Ch- Teresa Sturt. She's attractive enough. It's going to be hot. But it wasn't hot. The water, that is, was ice cold because the place <laughs> we were renting it didn't have hot water. So they did that scene. I think they were in there 40 minutes in the freezing cold water.
0: Yeah, At least you don't have to worry about any uh, any awkward erections, I guess.
1: <laughs> um, uh, um, I can get I, an I, erection. I can get <laughs> an erection in cold water.
3: Okay, This okay. is John Thor we're talking about. Okay, <laughs> uh, number one, number two. As I said, this scene contributed to the end of his marriage, so I cannot oh, okay. not be too sure. Right, okay. that nothing popped up. Okay, <clears throat> just saying. <laughs> Just saying. So we let that Dumb run. Point. We just let it run. And as far as I'm concerned, it's three times, four times longer than it needs to be in the film. <laughs> but both Johns were quite fond of that scene. Uh, yeah. But the gratuitous there are scenes in both Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare, where literally uh. girls Arrive at the doorstep. They open the door, and someone goes, "Hello, girls! Show us your tits." <laughs> the-
0: well, in Black Roses, the, in, in the oh. this girl just appears in, uh, in in his in his bedroom, right? In the- well,
3: actually, my bedroom. Um, I mean, in reality. <laughs> okay, so this is the way right. it went in Black Rose. Okay,
0: Julie,
3: Julie, you shouldn't be here, Julie. Okay, Julie shows up to seduce Matt Morehouse. She's looking hot, but kind of weird. Suddenly she has these enormous (laughs) bangs, which were completely the wrong size, an enormous fuck-up, and we use them anyway, because what the hell? What the hell? So that girl, Julie, whose name? Karen... I want to say Karen Plankton. I think it was Karen Plankton. She would not. Yeah, she was re- reluctant to show too much of her um, bosoms. And we had stunt boobs. We had an assortment of stunt boobs, most of which were not Canadian stunt boobs. Even though these films were made in Canada, the stunt uh-huh. boobs were sneaked in. American stunt boots and literally wow. literally I would contact women. However you did in those days, there was no Craigslist, but basically <laughs> great opportunity to make very little money in a shot where your face will not be shown, but you can bet your breasts will be. <laughs> and in some cases, the shots, the color, doesn't match the furniture is my current bureau in my bedroom in one scene and in another it's some someone's room in hamilton ontario i mean
0: well, i can tell you i didn't notice
3: if you see these are reasons these are reasons to re-watch <laughs> these films to find all these hidden little easter egg treasures yes yeah that's awesome. So yeah, we were we were compelled to supply a certain amount of breasts and either I mean and the same thing with with porn and the same thing with early horror exploitation was every seven minutes sex or a fight flesh, mm-hmm. blood gore and we did that we did that yeah. they made us. Did, they made us. They missed handcuffed us.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, that, I know for sure that's something that when, when Roger, you know, if you hear about all these stories for Roger Corman, <laughs> you know, that was definitely on his list, like every seven, eight minutes, there had to be something going on. And if you were in the school of Roger Corman, so that, that must've, I don't know when that started, but that did perpetuate for sure through the exploitation. Yeah,
3: films. well, I uh, I don't really know either, but, I it sounds yeah. like maybe he did. But it was <laughs> I also say, I true maybe in with him. It was also true in porn <laughs> that you would right. have seven minutes of absolute tripe. Absolute tripe leading <laughs> up to just a sex scene that's completely gratuitous right. and made no sense there whatsoever. But it was fun making them, though, because you could say whatever you wanted. You could be as absurd, yeah. you know. There, there's there's a price, not to sound like a political candidate, especially a GOP one, but there is a price <laughs> to pay for liberty. You know, in the in yeah. those some of the old films, I had the liberty to do and say a lot of things that were really nose-bumming and fun. And when you get into the Hollywood system all Mm -hmm. your creativity and your all the difference let's say in your perspective it's all just rubbed out of you you Mm. know that you're you're reduced to being a box you know you have to sit in the box you may not exit the box so you know yeah yeah I'm so thrilled that people are still watching Rock and Roll Nightmare and Black Roses, and they are my family's home movies. We watch them, and we go, oh, (laughs) look at Uncle Jim playing Stig. He's so cute. And it's like, people, stop abusing my brother, Jim Sorrell, over his Australian accent in Rock and Roll (laughs) Nightmare. He was trying (laughs) to do a bad Australian accent. That was the idea. And then people complain that he suddenly loses his accent like he forgot. And no, that was the point. Was that When Stig became evil, he got an American accent. That was the show, how evil he had become. He no longer had a That's bad awesome. Australian accent. So, you know. <laughs> Say what you want, but don't be mocking on my bro, okay?
0: Yeah. Yeah, enjoy Enjoy films. Don't rip them apart. Just uh, sit back and enjoy, especially yeah. these films. I
3: Just, mean, uh, have, I mean, on a, a movie time. where we were, I mean, literally all together, you know, like a family for a week, you know, living yeah. on Campbell's soup and tuna fish combined to survive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're just a big family trying to make a little movie.
0: That's awesome. Well, I mean these these movies are going to be around for for quite some time. I mean, people are going to be re- rediscovering these uh, every year, and um, and we we will definitely we definitely spread the word about these films every year. I feel like I do. I feel like every year I'm talking no, about yeah. these movies. Oh. We, we talk uh, about couple, these movies. are all year.
3: the best.
0: Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> totally.
3: They're all the best. Well, Cynthia, this is a rock. Invasion.
0: <laughs> yeah, hell yes, um, Cynthia. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and talking to to us oh, about these anytime. films. Um, like we 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 are fans, and uh, we we do love love the films. And uh, like I said, I, I hope more and more people continue to rediscover these. Oh, uh,
3: me too. Me too. And anyone you need or want to contact. You know, to do a podcast or to refer you to someone else, you know, you know where to find me.
0: Will do, thank you. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you guys
3: can hit me up on Facebook under my actual real name,
0: Cynthia (laughs) (laughs) Sorrell. And I will answer. I will do that, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'm just
3: that kind of person. (laughs) Where I really, really appreciate everyone who watches these films. I am, like, just thrilled. Every time I hear something, I just hear someone watched one of them, and I just smile and basically shake my head. But in wonder. (laughs) 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 It's been a long time coming. Long time coming. But it's nice. Oh man!
1: Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, and and you know the films are having a resurgence every once in a while, and it's and it's uh, and it's nice to see. And that's exactly why we're doing this month, is because with Sean and myself, these films are very important, uh, especially for me growing up, because it got me into a different type of music, and um, you know I always enjoyed them. So it's uh, it's nice to actually have you know you know Thor came on prior and then you so it's it's all coming together nicely so
3: oh, i'm so glad that you're a good guy. company i'm to give you a hug <laughs> internet hugs I'm giving you first all of all hugs okay first of <laughs> hugs for everybody
0: Was our inter- interview with Cynthia Sorel uh, writer of black roses um, a favorite of ours that flick BJ wh- the director
1: of driller oh yeah uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm.
0: director of driller
1: yeah.
0: um, BJ I need to ask you what are, what are your, your thoughts on on black roses in general the flick
2: in general I think I think it's fun. I think that it's a little, uh, a little wacky. Um, <laughs> that's putting it, you know, nicely. I'm really bummed that I couldn't hear the interview because, from what you told me, um, I guess she was kind of a trip and a half. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think probably the thing I like the most about Black Roses, though, is probably just like that, like that facial piece, that monster effect piece. <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. Like, it reminds me of something that probably came out of the same shop that made whatever was made for the Super Mario Brothers.
0: like said so they that's, were, um they they were doing all those, like, in their house. Right, man. Brad? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's probably also correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think... I mean, it can get a little repetitive at moments, but uh, I think that it's... I think it's fun. I mean, <laughs> I, I like all of the heavy metal movies that we're talking about. I think that they're all... At the very least, they're all
0: fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's jump into our segments here. Let's kick things off with Stream Screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! If you scream,
4: I'll break your <laughs>
3: Don't scream, miss. Don't scream.
0: <laughs> we are talking... Oh. D. Snyder's Strange <laughs> Strangeland.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. TM. Here we go.
0: In this small town.
2: Check this guy out.
1: On this quiet street.
2: Now we can talk to him one-on-one. An unspeakable evil is stalking the net. What kind of name is Captain Howdy? He found a series of symmetrically placed puncture wounds. To use Welcome to my world detective.
4: Pain <laughs> is a
1: uniquely personal
4: experience oh god please don't let this be happening my badges are forever
1: my badge represents the law I'll
4: kill him trust me that's better
2: there's nowhere to run there's no place to hide
4: find me he's got this town wired
3: gotta love this technology
2: Kevin Gage. You
0: ready to come in?
2: Elizabeth Pena.
3: What have you done with my daughter?
2: Robert England. Somebody's got to take that boy out. D. Snyder. So much flesh,
3: so little time.
2: The hunt has begun.
3: Want to play ball, Scarecrow?
0: Strangeland. Written by D. Snyder. Yes. Directed by. Somebody that never
1: really worked again. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what's, John, what's the guy's name? John Piplo? Piplo? Yep. Never probably it, worked again. Never it, heard that uh, name ever.
0: It was not recognizable. Uh, starring Dee Snyder. And course.
2: Linda Cardellini. Let's be real here.
1: Yes. And Amy Smart. Yeah. Baby Amy Smart. <laughs> and Kevin Gage.
0: Robert Who England.
1: always plays the best badass. Yeah, Robert Ungland.
0: I would say England. Ungland. Horrible. I
1: say England. I don't know if any of us. I are think it's
0: Unglund. I think it is. Um, so anyway, what what a movie! I'm. I just basically just finished well, watching this, and I'm still processing it.
1: Wait, is this your first time?
0: This was my first time seeing it. I like everyone else oh, missed this man. in 1998.
1: Oh, I did not so miss I, this, in 1998.
0: I definitely recognize the cover from the from the video store, and it's something that I always kind of. Cause it looked direct to video to me, you know, D-Snatter Strangeland looked like direct to video horror. And at the time I was in my, Oh, I'm going to college and I'm only going to watch like, you know, elite things and blah, blah, blah. I was a bit of a snob.
2: You're so, a criterion asshole.
0: Yes. I was. <laughs> yep. Mm. Um, so of course I was like would go past, past this and you know, maybe someday I'll watch it, but I never saw it. Um, the structure of the film. Struck me because, you know, it's, it's set up as this kind of 90s techno thriller chat room horror. But, uh, really the chat room stuff is a very small part of the film. <clears throat> but I was expecting it to be, you know, like seven or something like that with chat rooms. And thankfully it kind of makes a turn halfway through the film and becomes a little more than that. And I don't want to, I don't want to give any spoilers. So I really think. People should check this out because it People did. <laughs> if they have it, if they're I like me, have alone it. on this, <clears throat> am I alone? Uh, I,
1: I don't know, man. I think this is this is something that definitely found its audience and it? Okay. it hit VHS. Okay. Yeah. Um, because it, it definitely had a limited release, but it was promoted like on MTV and like the promotion for this film was a lot. Like okay.
0: there's trail. Well, I
1: remember seeing trailers. But it didn't open wide. It mm-hmm. opened very, very small, from what I can remember, cool. and it didn't even come around. Like I had to wait until it hit VHS to actually run in a blockbuster.
0: Okay. Well, this uh-huh. is like the heyday yeah. of body art, body modification.
2: BME zine was just killing
1: it, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so-,
0: so it makes sense. Okay. So if I'm the only one who hasn't seen, it, then fine. Uh, you know.
1: No, 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 no. I, I think there's still a, an amount because. <laughs> I think like you, I think um, it didn't, it really didn't have a target audience because I think it wanted to play to the horror crowd. It wanted to play the oh your child's gonna get abducted from a chat room mm-hmm. type craze because that was that was actually happening. Yeah. You know So it, it, it tried to play so many different notes and it does that in the movie too and I think that's kind of what hurt the movie. Because I honestly think this could have been like a. Now I don't want to see a three-hour movie of Strange Land, but it felt like it should have been because it's so rushed.
0: It almost felt, yeah, Um, it felt episodic. the The structure feels very episodic.
1: It 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 feels like you know it should have been uh, split up into uh, you know Snyder's sequel that he you know has always intended to do, but never got uh, never got a green light for it. But um, I, I, I think that's kind of what hurt it because storytelling wise, the reason why it didn't do well in critics is because of that rush. Um, having that direct to video feel, having that, you know, cold chamber, bile soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Biles, the band, by the way, I didn't name Biles, I can ship. <laughs> uh, you know, Soulfly, because Biles like that, that. When they come on stage in that movie, I'm like, yes. I still like sit <laughs> there and I'm like, uh huh, yeah. Um, but you know, the, kind of that it was that new metal sound that was kind of coming out of the woodwork, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from all these different directions. So I, I, it really was the movie of the times of that setting and that exact time, and that oh, yeah. time was so short it passed. And then no one gave a fuck anymore because it was like it was advertised like an MTV and people were like, yeah. And then next month it was like, no, new metal sucks. We don't want that movie. <laughs> you know, I, I feel that's kind of what happened. It was like, what the fuck is a chat room anymore? You know, it, it seemed like it, it was, you know, thought about and played to that crowd just for a very short time and missed its window. Mm-hmm. It was made at the right time. But I think that window passed so quickly that people just kind of laughed and was like, "Who would do that in a chat room? Who who would go yeah. somewhere? When so did, you're my, when did right. MySpace
0: start up? I'm, I feel like this get, it kind of like my chat Space. rooms. Well, because it, it was like chat rooms, and MySpace went, then everyone went to MySpace and things like that.
2: The, MySpace was pretty. yeah, it was in the two thousands, okay. but you had a couple more couple okay. more years for that. Like
0: yeah, it, it, like when chat rooms died first. out.
2: Yeah, because Strangeland, Land, you got to think,
1: is nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Um, chat rooms died out when dial-up kind of passed. Yeah, Ar- around around that time, it, because, the AOL days. That, that was kind of yeah, the chat yeah, room yeah. time. Was the AOL days? And once AOL kind of passed, like I mean, people still use AOL like for email, which I always laugh when people have A- AOL email addresses. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think I think that was kind of around around that time as like maybe ninety eight ninety nine, the chat room craze kind of fell through because we got instant messenger mm-hmm. instead, you know, and we had AOL instant messenger, and that kind of took place over chat room. Because uh, chat what rooms.
2: what so, kind so, so. of happened? What kind of happened with the chat room thing too as well? Is that it also had to deal with the accessibility of the internet? Not everybody had it. So, you didn't have the availability to talk to all of your friends all the time. So, you talked to who you had available, which meant chat rooms. So, then when the internet became more accessible and you had all of your friends, you know, that kind of took away the, you know, scary, scary online predator world (laughs) because you weren't talking to strangers anymore. You were talking to people you actually knew. Which is why it always cracks me up whenever I see these ads now for like, Scary people on Facebook that are trying to get your kids. You have to use your real fucking name. Like that—that yeah. that isn't real. Like obviously, it's still an issue. It's
0: you know, it's, it's still a, a bit thing. that harder. It's not. Like, they have yeah, to jump not through not a as, lot of hoops.
2: Yeah, it's not as easy to like be a creep on the internet as it used to be.
0: Twitter, on the other hand, you can be a fucking creep on Twitter.
2: Yeah, you can be a creep on Twitter.
0: And Twitter and Instagram. and Instagram. Oh actually.
2: God, yeah, Yeah.
0: <laughs> I stay away from Snapchat.
2: Snapchat's really fun though. It's super <laughs> fun. Captain
1: Howdy wouldn't stay away from
0: Snapchat. <laughs> no, Captain yeah, he's Howdy just would you not. You
1: a pierced dick. <laughs> so, but I mean I I still like the film because, you know, it is it it does play a big part in nostalgia. Um watching D Snyder play a serial killer is one of a kind. You don't really get that yeah. kind of entertainment these days. Um, Linda Cardinelli, she is just super fucking cute all the time, whether it's freaks and geeks or she's playing Daphne and Scooby-Doo. She <laughs> is always super adorable. And, um, you know, for nostalgia purposes, I still enjoy some of that soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I, I, wouldn't listen to it, <laughs> uh, very much, but you know, when it comes on, I'm like, Oh man, I remember that song. I remember like in Bile, you know, um, but I don't know. I think the film does have something to offer, but it does have that, you know, USA direct-to-video, you know, feel to it. I I, I do agree with that.
0: Yeah. It is fun. I I mean, I, I had fun with it though.
2: I have a lot of fun with it. I think that it's a very misunderstood film. I think that it's, I think people get too caught up in the idea of, kind of how dated it is. You know, you mentioned MySpace earlier. Like, I feel that way whenever I watch Super Bad and he makes the MySpace joke and I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and I think people do that with Strangeland as they look back at it or, you know, just to some extent any of those late 90s, early 2000s films that did anything with the internet like Fear.com That's... or even Urban Legends. Like, because, I... you know, Daniel Harris's whole character is, you know, the cyber goth. Right. And I think, People see that and they get caught up in that. And then that whole kind of subgenre of the body mod thing, like there's really not a lot of body modification horror, like Strangeland, American Mary. And those are, Mm -hmm. to be completely honest, the two that I immediately think of off the top of my head, the rest of it, I'd have to look up, but.
0: I (sighs) think this one does like the, but this handles the technology like, they don't try to future it up. You know what I mean? It's 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 what it was no, at the time, basic. and it's very yeah. basic. And it, even even his video is all choppy, and it looks it, it's it's not like um what was the movie we talked about last week? Oh, Turbulence Three, oh, where nice. they're somehow broadcasting, and everyone is able to see in in fluid video. Like this one, it at least keeps the technology current to the time. So it almost could be, you know, a period piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? Twenty years but from it, now, but it also doesn't you know.
1: go into super detail. Like right. they don't show them signing into a chat room. It's you know very brief because you know at that at that point in time it was you know not everybody had the internet like BJ yeah. said. So there are those times where you know it has to be explained. You know, when she's like, "Oh, there's a chat room. You can click on a member's profile." Yeah. Now we're sitting there watching it like, uh, that's no funny. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I we've all seen time, catfish. We know how this yeah, goes down. Right. Yeah, it had to be explained just a little bit better. That's um, funny. I did. I feel I, I like think,
0: they explained body modification more than than chat rooms, though. In this one, you know, that scene where the well, like, driver? I think that's the, the I think that's driver the smart
1: route. Because I think at a time, you know, you have to, like, as a filmmaker, um, you know, and that's why I kind of really hate when movies acknowledge pop culture. Mm -hmm. Because it's like when you mention LiveJournal, when you mention uh, MySpace, when you're mentioning Facebook,
0: dude, this shit is going to go away. Oh, I just dated our show. Sorry. Huh? I just I just dated our show. I apologize. Those of you listening 20 <laughs> years from now.
1: Well, no, you do that. And I think that was the smart thing that, um, you know, Strangeland did is they didn't go into detail of where they're going or right. what, you know, website they're using. They just used chat rooms and instant messenger. And we'll always have instant messenger because we have text messaging. So yep. it's easy, easy, easily relatable. Text messaging is never going to go away. Facebook, more than likely. MySpace, already kind of gone. You know, no, it's it's,
0: gone. it's one of those, huh? Oh, it's gone. No, no, now? I'm
1: saying that's that's just the nature of the social media beast. But I think with with uh, with D. Snyder with with this, they played it really smart because they didn't reference it all that much. And like I said, they tr- they crammed this three hour movie into like an hour and a half. And I, I don't think they really they, and. Another thing that's the reason why it kind of hurt the film, because they don't go into detail on a lot of things.
0: Well, yeah, because there's there's three definite pieces to this film. There's the beginning chat room stuff. There's the rehabilitation stuff. And then there's the after, you know, with the the neighborhood people and and then with the detective. You know, there's like three distinct storylines going on in this film.
1: Yeah, and it moves incredibly fast.
0: Yeah, there's one point where I was like, I'm like, this person got kidnapped again? Like, what did that happen? <laughs> you blink and like yeah, somebody's gone.
1: Because they do the buildup and then he discovers. And I think the discovery uh, works at an appropriate time. But it feels like the rehabilitation should have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. And then him coming back and, you know, terrorizing these people that feels like another movie. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is a great idea or a great story that could have spawned, you know, a series, but I kind of wish that it did because I feel that if it did that route and maybe took its time, it would be more talked about and more loved.
0: Mm -hmm. So if it was like an HBO miniseries,
1: HBO, could have been, series, well
0: they, they have to get away with the gore and stuff and the nudity, you know, or Showtime, probably more Showtime. Yeah, um, I don't think this is a, this is a so, showtime,
1: but I don't know. Give it a shot. It's on DVD from Lionsgate, it's on Vudu. You can, you can rent it on there.
0: Um, it looked really you know, good, so man. Anyways, it looks, I watched it, the HD. it. It
1: looks, yeah, it looks better than, than most of the shit that's out there, yeah. So um yeah I would I would definitely g- give it a shot Absolutely um, and, and Captain and Howdy is
2: such a cool character
1: <laughs> Yeah and D Snyder does a decent job There's a couple moments where his lines like he it's a little too philosophical sometimes <laughs> But you know he is a f- he is a fun character. He'll go on his rants and I don't think D Snyder is cut out for kind of the monologue driven things, but like, you know, his obvious kind of like, you know, his one liners that he does, that he references uh uh Freddy Krueger um a few <laughs> times about the film. I think that's a lot of fun because I mean obviously it's his, one of his inspirations and he has, you know, Robert uh Unglund in the film. What do you think of but Robert like Unglin's is...
0: character in this movie?
1: I mean he plays Robert Unglund. He anytime Robert Unglund <laughs> is out of the Freddy makeup, he yeah. plays like the crazed redneck. Yeah. Yep. Paper Brigade, so, man, it, it, all day. <laughs> yeah. It it, it, it it works. I love the scene know, where he's just, watching like, TV
0: they're... and his wife walks in and she's kind of weirdly dancing. That seems great.
1: Oh, no, it's great. But how about, like, it, that's that's the thing, is there's more substance to that even scene because you have... This guy who is so afraid of, you know, kids being kidnapped and tortured, but he's obviously watching some kind of child pornography.
0: Yeah, uh, he's or, watching some sort know, of this, violent, more of a violent, rapish porn. Yeah,
1: like a snuff film. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's definitely a rapey, a rapey <clears throat> uh, porno. But it's like. He's sitting there and his fucking, you know, tidy his legs spread with his <laughs> tidy whities, And it's like at that point in time, you're like, man, I really hope, uh, you know, cu- fucking Captain Howdy comes back now. Yeah. Like there is that kind of turn of events where you kind of feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. At yeah. one split second, you, you do feel bad for him. And that's why I think the film would have been so much better if they did take it a little bit slower and made the film a little bit longer to kind of, you know, dive into that because I, I there could have been the justification, but it happens so quick. You're like, Oh, of course I want Captain Howdy, uh, you know, to, 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 to die or, you know, I I don't, I don't want to see this creep because he's an awful, awful person. And he is, but it's fun when they try to make you feel sympathy for, um, for the character. So, and then plus, like BJ said, he's super fun. Like when he's fucking hanging from the tree and he falls down and he says, what a rush, you know, it's just like that line alone. I just, you know, it, that, that's the reason those are the types of reasons I love, I love, uh, strange land. TM. You gotta say TM, I think. TM. Or D Snyder will, D Snyder will
0: sue us. (laughs) All right. So, BJ, do you think it should have been a longer, a longer uh, property of some sort in some way?
2: I think that it should have. I think that it would have been more interesting as like a television series, and it yeah. just followed kind of oh, like cool. totally. yeah, Captain Howdy yeah, yeah. and like the different people that he interacted with and like found. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that would have. I think it would have been really beneficial. And but at the same time, though, like that never would have worked in 1998. It would right. be like because there just really wasn't the audience for that sort of a thing.
0: It would work now. For sure.
2: Yeah, it would work now, but now yeah. like it would have to be unfortunately like a chat roulette kind of bullshit and it'd be like video chat, which I don't think, mm. I mean, as much as I like movies like unfriended or the dead, I think that they're really cool. Um, there's something so much more sinister to not being able to see who yeah. you're talking to.
0: read. Yeah. And that, so- yeah.
1: There is a sequel, a, a, a prequel um, that D. Snyder did uh, for the Screen Factory line of comic books. He, he oh, yeah. released um, he released a, a prequel. I forget the name of it now, but anyways, um, I did read that. I don't know that feels like maybe ten years ago, but um, you know, it kind of he was it one he forgot the time period that Strange Land was released. That's kind of <laughs> what it felt like. It's like, you do realize gotcha. you made this in 1998. You're not writing this, like, in 2008 now. So, anyways, yeah, but I, I would definitely I, I would definitely pick up the film if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's one of the better 90s horror films out there, but that's also not saying much. Like, it's not great. That's the thing. It's not fucking great or anything. It's just a lot of fucking fun.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's and, solid.
1: Yeah. So, anyways...
0: It was the best thing I watched today. Second to, uh, you know, it's better than Hitman Agent 47.
2: And there are a lot oh. of things in this world that are better than Hitman Hitman Agent 47. There
0: are. Alright, yes. let's, uh, move into our next segment here. Um before we do that though, we had asked you on JOG, J-O-G-G, uh, Google that shit, download the app, and, uh, follow links when we tweet them out. I gotta figure, like, they gotta, I like the idea. I'm not sure if it's working. I'm into week number three here and we got like two replies and they're both the exact same fucking thing. The exact <laughs> same soundtrack. My question was, uh, what is your favorite heavy metal soundtrack? I'm only going to play one of them because the other one gets cut off and he seconds, uh, this one. So this is, uh, Thomas, Thomas Miles, uh, telling us his favorite heavy metal horror soundtrack. My favorite heavy metal soundtrack would have to be The Crow from 1994. It has bands such as Pantera, Rollins Band, The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine. Um, amazing bands
1: came out at a uh, amazing time for music.
0: And just an all-around great soundtrack. And that's it. And then Jordan Carey comes in and says The Crow... Come on, people. I'm frustrated hey, with this jog thing.
1: They, it's because no one bit. wants to be on video.
0: I know. Well, I'm going to see if there's something else where we can pose a question and get audio responses. I mean, there's got to be something else other, easier other than this because I think uh, everyone's trying to download the app and everyone's trying to reply. And then we had some – I know two people for sure that tried to reply and the and think the damn thing didn't work. So, well, I'm going to figure something out. Um for, for next week, or next time, I like the idea of including our listeners on the show like this. I just gotta find a better way to do it. So, yeah. I'm s- still experimenting. But, um, I said my favorite soundtrack was, uh, Trick or Treat for heavy metal horror because that's like the first one that I bought. But, uh, what about, what about you guys? What are your, do you have a favorite heavy metal horror soundtrack? Brad? Mm. Or BJ?
1: Um, The Crow.
0: <laughs> you suck. <laughs>
1: i don't know like the crow's great but that's definitely more industrial than it yeah like it does have pantera and rage against the machine but that fucking soundtrack to me feels like pure industrial like 90s
0: yeah
1: like i mean it does have those types of metal songs but that that music doesn't really play in the movie all that much um, it's mostly like nine-inch nails and like the Cure and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, but anyways, I mean, I as far as heavy metal soundtracks go, I would be right there with you with um with Trick or Treat. Yeah. I, I think Fastway's uh, um, entire album they did dedicated uh, to to that um to um, Trick or Treat is fantastic. It, it has you know it's specifically made. For the film as well so you have you know you have that teenage angst in there you have you know depression you have um you have the violence you have that kind of feel-good rock music at the same time mm-hmm. which talking about feel-good rock music i think the highest point in Strangeland land is when that movie ends with um twisted sisters um uh, heroes, uh, the hero song. I mm-hmm. forget the name of the title now. What is it? Heroes Never Die or something
0: yeah, like I don't that? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head.
1: But, anyways, it, I mean, but side note. But, I, yeah, I think Trigger Treats, uh, one of the better, uh, better soundtracks.
0: How about you, BJ?
2: I've got two that I really Ooh. like.
1: Whoa. Okay. Oh, I know,
2: right? Settle down. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a cheat, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, really like the soundtrack to Night Reynolds Street 3, Dream Warriors, because mm-hmm. I really yeah. like Dokken.
0: Yeah,
2: I um, yeah, So that's always going to be up there for me, uh, 100%. And then the one that's more of a cheat than anything is uh, Kiss Me, it's Phantom of the Park, because they horrendously lip-sync all of their hits. <laughs> it's, oh man, the lip-syncing is really off, but I also am a... I'm pretty ride or die for Kiss. It's it's kind of unhealthy. Um, In terms of my love of metal, I like my glam rock. I like my teased hair. I like my men in leather spandex and sequins. That's the metal that I like. Uh, I love it so much. I proudly own White Snake concert VHS tapes. I don't give a fuck.
0: Hell yeah! I love it. Kidding me? I like my men in spandex and sequins too.
2: Yeah, I just—I <laughs> I can't help it. That's—that's that's always what I've—what I've loved. So, those are my—those are my two favorites. Awesome.
0: Very cool. Speaking of Kiss, let's move into our VHS. Oh my God.
4: <laughs> Nikki. You. Well, here we are last, right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my God.
0: Terror on Tour, people. 1981. Is this 81 or 80? 80. They play
4: at murder. Terror on Tour.
0: Group makes real music and make believe death.
3: I wonder what would happen if we threw a real body, in. all cut up, real blood. Where's my fifty bucks?
4: Until oh. suddenly, their fantasy becomes real. This is. And I
2: wish that this movie would have been made a few years later. So that it would have been like in the heart of the glam yeah. metal phase, because it would have been a totally different film. But because it wasn't, it was like a precursor to right. the glam metal. We got like Want to Be Kiss, which I'm <laughs> I'm not complaining about.
1: But well, you got a you got a slasher film rather than kind of a heavy metal, you know, horror film. That's yeah. The thing is, th- this movie is very, very, very standard slasher. Yeah, we didn't, just said it. You know, set it a concert.
0: Uh, we didn't say okay. what it, it was called, or is it a
1: tour? <laughs> we didn't say what it was called. Yeah,
0: I said terror on tour. Okay, yeah, <laughs>
2: just
1: like you, you sure. said, terror
0: ter- ter- on tour, terror on tour, terror on tour, terror on tour. Directed by Don. Edmonds. I don't know who that is. Who is
1: that? Uh, he well,
0: he was an actor, and then he did some directing.
1: Oh, he did. did
0: he? I uh. Ilza She Wolf of the SS.
1: Ah, uh, oh, everything yeah. makes so much yeah, more yeah,
2: sense yeah. now.
1: <laughs> Wild Honey. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Southern okay. Double Cross.
0: Okay. And then the I, I don't know Ilza Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks.
1: And yeah, Ber- you could say just Ilsa. Ilsa. Yeah, I don't say Ilsa. Ilsa. Yeah. Have you never seen any of the Il- Ilsa movies?
0: No, uh, um, Ilsa she was of this, of the SS was on someone, there was like a German Blu-ray that I almost bought, but it was like almost 40 bucks, but the cover was amazing. But I want to see it really bad. I need to, (sighs) you know, it's, it's, I was going through my Nazi, Nazi exploitation and uh, someone was like, show me the cover of her and like, Oh God, what a cover.
2: Amazing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Erotic. But there's oh there's Ilsa the Tigris of, Shiber- of Siberia too, that's the that's yeah, the cover that I saw. He
1: did, he, did, he didn't do that
0: one though. No, but no. he Tear, only did the. Other two movies. I know I know God who Almighty. he is now.
1: So, but yeah, Tehran tour because it also was in the seventies. This movie's from mm-hmm. the seventies. This was made in the eighties. So uh-huh. this is probably towards uh because this guy.
0: something <laughs> <laughs> yawning. Yeah, you're going no, to make everyone right now is yawning right now. Because
1: it's fucking terror on tour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a
1: yawn-worthy one.
0: No, uh, no. The, it, has, I, it has its I, moments. There is some yawn. There
1: is some yawn. Like, the beginning is a lot of fun. Uh, once the story starts to set up with uh, with the singers, like, you know, getting dressed and putting their makeup on, that works. However, right when the killing starts is kind of when it falls flat, mm-hmm. but and doesn't really pick up until like the Because la- I think the last fifteen minutes are super strong. Oh, I dude, think the gold. ending is. I think the last, like, yeah, the last fifteen minutes are great, and the ending to the movie is a lot of fucking fun because <laughs> it's not traditional at all.
0: No, it, like, it's you're almost like, like, wait like wait
1: a second, is it fucking over? Like, yeah, I don't we, understand.
0: In, in a traditional film, we would have had about ten to fifteen minutes more. You know to to basically tie it all up yeah but but they don't and it's it's great i think it's great for it one thing yeah. I, I wonder no, though no, no, like yeah. they got this makeup on and they're just making out with chicks left and right mm-hmm. and nobody's That's what you do but but these women are not getting black makeup all over their lips and white makeup all over their face and other areas
2: yeah, because they is get this, the good shit.
0: Is this a special kind of makeup? Yeah, is there a makeup that does that? they
1: billionaires. They have billion-dollar makeup.
0: Okay. If you get the good I mean, stuff, it doesn't come off. I guess. I Is that a thing? I mean, BJ is the expert. You're the stage stage performance expert.
2: Yeah, I'm currently doing this podcast, and I still have old-age makeup <laughs> on my show, and I'm trying to wipe it off, and I know that it's not going to happen. But
0: if you went in and just slobbered all over Zach right now, would it get off? Would I, it? Would no, it transfer it would to him? It would still
2: be. It would still be on my face because okay. you use a setting powder.
0: Okay.
1: Well,
2: I recommend Ben Nye translucent
1: powder. It's really good. <laughs> and, and you do see good. they're putting on makeup for like an hour and a half. Well, in this okay. movie, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't know if that was just a a budgetary <laughs> thing. Dude, they're like, always, we stretch they're this they're thing always
1: out. putting on makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know them.
2: that this film was shot in seven days, right? Because that's a thing. That's oh a real thing.
1: Seven whole days. It explains a lot because of kind of the. There's a few scenes where it's like, "Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing. Going to this concert? How about you? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have fun. All right, <laughs> see you later." And yeah. the scene ends, and it's like, "What? What was the purpose?"
2: It hey. feels like we have this much battery life on this camera, guys. Yeah. So we got to get this in and out.
0: Hey, my car broke down. You got the money, Yomi? No, but you don't have the money. You have the money for me? No, I don't got the money for me for you. But why don't you got the money for me? As they're walking, you know, that went on for way too long. <laughs> Things like that, yes. All
1: right, no, I, I agree. It's it, but that explains a lot. This movie was shot in seven days. Wow, so it really shows for. And for the,
2: the four long. the four guys, I looked them up on IMDb afterwards, and they like the four clowns really haven't done anything since then. And by really haven't, I mean they literally have done nothing since then. So I don't know if they were just looking for musicians that could maybe act or how they found these guys, but they haven't done anything.
1: Well, the clowns are a real band. I mean, the clowns aren't a real band, but the people that played the clowns are a real band,
2: correct? Isn't that what it is? I don't know. I didn't get that far in my research. All I know (laughs) is I was really psyched because the guy who plays Dave Cherry is Era, who's who plays Cherry, is named Dave Galuzzo. And I was like, "Hey, maybe you're related to Rob G. I don't know. Hmm. I'll look, make maybe. him look
0: through that family tree. Mm. Did uh, I mean from a script perspective? Did you guys get confused at all during this, as far as how many guys there were putting on the clown makeup? Because you know, the one of the There's roadies four. guys was doing it to get chicks, as he says, because he's not good with ladies. So he puts on the makeup right. so he can wander around. But that's
2: and, that's herb. Yeah, I think that that, herb, that herb. becomes yeah. very similar to you know the the latter Halloween films when everybody's wearing a Michael Myers mask. Yeah, I think oh, that. that
1: no, that would be five. That would be five people putting on makeup. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I guess I did get.
0: Kind but then of you confused. see another guy who wants to do it too, and then there's possibly another guy. It's like I, you know, all these clowns running around. I just had to hard time kind of following and then getting, you know, the explanation. I guess there really is no explanation. There's no why given in this really, which I, which I guess makes it great. I don't need a, what are you
1: talking about? The who the,
0: the killer? Uh, is The killer. Like there's no big like revelation on, Oh, here's why he's doing it. He's just, uh, he's just a bit crazy. Right. I mean,
2: um, no,
0: unless I missed it. <laughs>
2: That's, um, oh, Brad, would you like to... F- well, he has an issue,
0: with, he has <laughs> an issue with, with the girls and stuff like that, but, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. There's no big... You know, he doesn't get out a soapbox and explain why he's doing everything.
1: Well, no, I mean, there's no, like, big... Mo- like, you know, big speaking scene, but, I mean, we're all, like... We bu- truly believe that it's, you know, Herb that's putting on the makeup and, and killing everybody, but in, in reality, spoiler alert, we have Tim who is at his name's tim right i believe his name's Tim. yeah yeah but the manager yeah is the one but yeah he is he's you know it's the reason why he's you know killing the and he also you know he calls them filthy he calls them sluts because you know you shouldn't go around and these people shouldn't have kids blah 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 No, no i know
0: but i mean you don't really get that from him as the manager at all you know what i mean and then all of a sudden it's crazy tim well, Tim's always
1: been crazy. I, I mean, I'm kind of confused of what, what you're saying that you didn't I'm, understand, though. Of, like, why he's doing it?
0: It's just, he's, you know... Is it
2: because like he words. never indicated it?
0: He just goes... He just goes... Yeah. He's just crazy all of a sudden. Where, in, in well, his scenes before, I think as manager Tim...
1: Because these guys are sleeping with... Because the thing is, they're killing the groupies. Right. These guys are putting on this makeup, putting on these shows, getting all his attention banging all these chicks and the manager just sits by and just lets it all happen is It's mainly out of jealousy and gotcha. he, he okay. hates women.
2: Yeah. The way you got to think about it too, is it's, it's the Scooby doo reveal where yeah, there's yeah, a totally. lot of, mm-hmm. there's a lot of creepy people going around and then you're really focusing thinking that it's one person. And then it ends up being the the person that has indicated nothing. The person right. that, and yeah. to some extent indicates that they're totally cool with this. Um, surprise. They're actually the bad guy. Scooby-Doo. Well, yeah. what's
0: up? Well, that's that's what I was getting at. It was there's no, you know, it's not hinted really at at all. It is a surprise, but it's Yeah.
2: It's a know, Scooby-Doo ending. It's, it's you know, it's... 101, man.
0: <laughs>
2: awesome. So, yeah. I think I, it's I think it's fun. I'll probably never watch it again, but <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's a one-timer for sure. Great VHS cover though.
1: Yeah. yeah. Really cool. But definitely a film that could Use uh, a decent release because this movie really does
0: look like shit. Oh, don't worry. Code Red will release it for 30 bucks next year, probably.
1: I really hope not.
0: That's what they've been doing. They've been... They are they're they just announced uh, Dudley Dreams.
4: Yeah, I know. We I talked about...
2: That. I think that yeah. this would be a, a good suit for, like, a vinegar syndrome. I think they could probably do something cool with it. Yeah. I think it falls in their wheelhouse of weird stuff. And plus, like, if you're... If you're a fan of, like, the Ilsa films, like, maybe they could wheel it in with that sort of directorial thing. I don't know.
0: They yeah. do good
3: work. They're I think,
2: good boys. I, yeah.
0: think it, I think they can do it. They This would be right in there. This would make sense with them, for sure. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I completely this agree. Is a, this is
0: a movie that could possibly um, make a good remake.
1: I would agree with that. Why don't you do it, Sean? Show us how remakes should be done.
0: Oh, yeah, okay, because I have so much experience and you with can, filming. You
1: can, explain, you can explain why Tim wants to kill everybody.
0: I would. <laughs> I would I would subtly do it, though. So on your second watch, you're like, Oh, shit, I missed that! Right? So no, well, that, no big, sleeping monologues? No, no, no well, big, sleeping monologues, you missed, but, you know.
1: You kind of miss everything in the movie in because it's so fucking dark.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: I don't think they had one light in this entire movie. No.
0: They spent all their money on grease paint. No.
1: <laughs> oh, they must have yeah, spent money on that makeup.
0: That's awesome. Alright. I don't have very much else to say about this movie.
2: Yep. Me neither.
0: Okay. Alright.
2: It's fun. It's um, heavy it's on, metal. It's,
0: it's clowns. It's in his vi- it's it's uh fully available on the YouTubes if you want to go that route. Yeah it's it. Yeah, it's very curious.
1: expensive, probably
0: on tape. The VHS is—I looked it up—like um, forty bucks, I think, at least. That could be 40? Right. forty. That's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, forty.
1: It's not worth forty bucks. Yeah, it's been Somebody
0: for said long. they saw a DVD on eBay, and I was like, uh, "That's a VHS rip bootleg."
2: Absolutely. just yeah,
0: no, <laughs> never got a DVD release, so but yeah, you know, I think if 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 I mean. The movie itself, yeah, it is what it is, but if someone came along and made a really cool Blu-ray out of this with some really fun features, you know, it could be, it would be a buy. Not for 30 bucks.
2: I would, would, would definitely... love to hear about shooting this in seven days. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a documentary I would like
0: totally. to watch. I think round everyone But up.
2: the director is dead. dead. He's dead.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> But I'm sure the, I'm sure there's other people enough enough people around that would could still have some fun stories. No, what, talk about the movie? If it, yeah, if you think about like shooting a film in seven days, like that is right there. It's bonkers. Is crazy, and there's got to be a ton of stories for you know because things get wild when you're moving it that quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was uh Terror on Tour from 1980. Check it out if yeah. you want. Um. All right, well that's going to do it for this week's show, you guys. Oh, we got to – Are we going to yeah. close on a downer? We close on a downer. Vanity.
1: You always do.
2: Vanity does. Well, I didn't want
0: to. I didn't want to open up with it. I don't want to, you know. But I mean, you know. Vanity, yeah, but you the, close with it. The gorgeous vanity. Um, her. What's her? What, what was her real name? Um,
1: I
2: don't know, and I'm a dick um, for not knowing.
0: Denise Katrina Matthews. Matthews. Denise. Denise yeah, Matthews. Denise Matthews was her. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's had some health issues, some, uh, kidney issues and, um, abdominal illness. And so she passed away at the time of this recording on, uh, on Monday, but, uh, she was 57 and, but it just, it's a shame, but, uh, go check out her movies. Of course, we've talked about, you know, her most amazing movie already. Um, yes. Never wait. Never too young to die.
1: Never too young to die.
0: The last dragon and Action Jackson. So yeah. make sure you you find those. And um, she has been to some videos, right? there. she had a her song she "Nasty was Girl" was pretty for a Prince. while. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I just, I mean, she's she's someone that I've known was around, but I didn't really, you know, until we started this podcast and you talked about. Uh, never too young to die, That's and I looked up know. that scene. I was Im- Im- immediately like, "Why didn't I didn't I pay attention to Vanity sooner?"
1: But uh, um, she's a beautiful girl. Yep,
0: yep. So it's a shame. It's, a, it's definitely is a shame. So with that,
2: yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for. Let's thank our sponsors, guys.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to, for sure, we're going to close out Heavy Metal Horror Month with, we'll do a drawing next week. I'll round up everyone who has sent me um, pictures of their transactions. Yeah, so if you go, if you support any of our sponsors, if you support uh, Tex Montana, their Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, support Tex for, Montana. Please do. There's only a few more days. Make
0: that your number one priority. If you're going to spend something, spend it on Tex Montana, we'll survive. Um, We'll have links in the show notes here. But it's also on Kickstarter. Just On kickstarter.com, type in Tex Montana. You'll find it. Please, please, please donate to them. We would love to see this movie released next month. Um, Also, Coffee Shop of Horrors. Uh, If you buy any coffee from them, make sure you use the code SCREAMCAST to get 10% off. GrindhouseVideo.com. Anything over twenty five dollars, if you use the code Screamcast ten, you get ten percent off. And and uh so if you send us any transactions from any of those, uh we will definitely put your name into the drawing. We'll do a, a drawing next week. Um and also Inksbatters.com, Kevin Spencer. Uh buy yes. I, I believe he has some t shirts and stuff still up on there. But uh And Wolf Menomar. Wolf Menomar. So if you buy Wolf Menomar's album, you buy anything from uh, Kevin Spencer. God damn it. Is it inkspatters.net? You need to
2: start Sit writing things
0: own. down. I always, I get them both confused. It's inkspatters.com. Uh, if you buy Wolfman of Mars has their vinyl coming out with Thumondo. It's a beautiful thing. So if you buy any of those things, let us know. Read me at thescreamcast.com. Send me a screenshot of the transaction. You'll be entered into the drawing. All right, I think that about does it. Of course, check us out at thescreamcast.com. That's our links to Twitter, Facebook, and all that shit on there. So, with that said, we'll talk to all you guys next week. Bye bye. Bye. See ya. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving, but it's just begun. It's good. I told her I go, you know when you're a little bit older, you're not going to want to be sharing a room with boys, but whatever.
2: She will just not her brothers. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Touche. <laughs>